Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, show. Wiggins? Yes. You're here? I am. You know what, you know what episode this is? 154. It's episode 154. It's Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back after this intro music. This is totally unnecessary <laughs> intro music. up here now the music so we might want to quit talking crap and get to the show <laughs> and i hope they didn't hear all that no that we were we were, at, we were out but uh no i didn't see it man you're gonna have to tell me about it unless uh, unless you can talk about it here on the show yeah no Corey sent it to me i think it was right apart did a thing talking about day and easy's the official safety suit of aft um Wow. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But the picture they used was like a photo from Paris a while ago of me. Wow. Not in Dionysi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> but it's. They're, here's a totally unrelated photo. <laughs> I also like, like, I like how they're like, they all make it sound like, oh, yeah, Dionysi, it's, it's the official safety gear where it's because it's safer than everything else. That's not why it's the official safety gear. It's the official safety, safety gear because they paid more money yeah, than it's everyone a sp- else did. Yeah, it's basically a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. That's, By the way. Like the official tires Dunlop. Oh, well, my favorite is Dunlop has won more races than any other brand. They're like, I'm like a spec well, tire, right? They also got second through 18th. So how does, like, they also lost way more. <laughs> yeah. I think you said that on another episode. And I was cracking up. I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you gotta it's, look, a, it's a spec tire. Depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, some of the stuff that, this is in Cycle News, huh? No, it was, uh, I think, Ride Apart. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. You know what's funny? Speaking of Ride Apart and Cycle News and all that stuff, I used to peruse so many different um outlets for motorcycle news uh this is like way before i even had the podcast i almost totally forgot about all of them because the ride apart was hell for leather for a while and then wes seiler or whoever um got you know went back to uh sold it to drive or something like that or drive uh took it over and then um they uh, found out they brought ride apart back as part of drive or something like Mm. that it was it was weird like how it changed from what it used to be but yeah i used to read it and then i uh, thought it went away for a while and then it's back apparently yeah. so and then i thought jalopnik had it but there's this lane splitter i think jalopnik i used to read when it was just a blog and now it's like a huge news source so it's yeah. interesting i mean it just became a blog that had more info than I yeah else. you know what jensen beeler with asphalt and rubber is slowly doing that so just being a blog that just happens to have more news and opinion than everybody else, so therefore you're a news source. So good on them. Yeah. Maybe one day Creative Writing will be the uh, official 
I don't know what we'll be. <laughs> oh man, if people come to us for news. Yeah, no, we definitely won't be a news outlet. We'll be a, a culture outlet. How's oh, that? Sure. Um, so hey, I want to I want to do my uh, impression of a host and do a um, tell you what's coming up. I like this idea that Wigs introduced a few weeks ago, and uh, I want to tell you what's com- going to be coming up on the show tonight on the show. <laughs> Coming up, we have uh, our little segment where we teach you something random about a piece of equipment. I don't know. I'm not going to call it a challenge because Wiggs is right. It's more of a lesson, but uh, it's still a challenge. So I guess we do have the challenge coming up. We got some WFO, which, uh, you know, if you're a racer, that might mean one thing. But on our show, it's what's the fake one. We got some fake uh, headlines. Then we got some random spandom news. And we do have an Ask Wigs. Uh, I forgot. We, do. We, we, have a, we had a couple emails, or one lengthy email, yeah. from a legendary field producer, Brad Viffer. Is that the one you're talking about? Or do you got another Ask Wigs? That's the only one. Yeah, okay. Brad Viffer. Good, yeah. Brad Viffer had some really bitching stuff. Um, I just learned some other stuff, too, and uh, we'll talk about that later, but... Uh, I just want to tell everybody that supported Mimi and Moto, the Motorcycle Monkeys Ride Through the Alphabet. Uh, thank you so much because I've been getting emails from them. Hopefully everybody that signed up for Kickstarter, you had to submit your email. So you guys have been getting the same ones. But man, they are uh, project update number 22 came today and they're going through ENF, GNH. I mean, they're halfway through the alphabet. So uh, that's way further than I ever made it as a... <laughs> as a student so um yeah man i uh i don't know that was pretty cool so that's one of the emails we got we also got another ask wigs and and uh and all this great stuff but first before we get into all that wiggins why didn't you ride over here tonight it's raining man Skywater. what the hell that's not why i mean that's part of the reason why you're from indiana you could have made it well there's other things wrong my headlights are blacked out and my wheels are off and I don't have brake pads in my bike. Because I'm track prepping. Nice. Why, why are you track prepping? I'm going to go hang out with are you a, with Smooth Talker Brady Walker. Yeah. Are you a prepper is what you're saying? Uh, a track prepper. I guess, I guess so. I'm a, I'm a track prepper this <laughs> right. week. Um, yeah. We're going to go ride Willow Springs. Sweet. Guess on, who's, guess who's going to go with RC. you? I, I don't know. Are, are you uh, able to go? Junkforth Turdman. All right. Um, my friends, just uh, some behind the scenes stuff. My friends are having a baby, number two, and uh, they have a kid that we that they need. They don't. They're like me and, and Wiggins. They don't have family up here, and so they don't really have anybody to watch their kid if they were to go into labor suddenly. And it's not the coolest thing to take your little two or no, I guess she's three to the uh, to the emergency room while your wife's getting a baby pulled out of her. And uh, you got to sling another baby because you never know when it's going to happen. Like, could be the middle of the night, could be all day long thing. You know, you just never know. So we are the uh, the watchful eyes that's going to take care of um, their kid while they have baby numero dos. And that means that I was going to be on call all week. She's so close. She almost popped this weekend, I think. And then um, she's been holding off. She's been holding it in. Um, but her due date was like yesterday. So, I mean, or like tomorrow. So it literally could be any day. Yeah. And uh, so... I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it out. 
Mrs. Creative Writing said, you know, like, like I can, I can watch them. Like it's no big, no big thing. We got such a busy week this week though. Like tonight, I'm super glad that you came over tonight. Cause it was, would have been the only one night I could record. And we still might get a text here that a baby comes in and me and Wiggins might have to shut down the show, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'd rather have that happen than be like, get the text while I'm at Willow Springs. Like, Oh my God, the baby's coming. And I'm like, Oh, it happened. It did have to happen the one day that I was with you out here at the, at the track. So yeah, I'm going to hopefully be out there too hopefully hopefully on spamla of all i know you're you're you no, think I, that's ridiculous but i do but i i also think uh <laughs> you do you're supposed to say no <laughs> that's great no it's definitely ridiculous <laughs> that, that whole bike is ridiculous <laughs> but it's kind of your thing so it's kind of like she it's she's kind of a good of idea show. that you and i are playing second fiddle to spamla <laughs> to be honest it's kind of a good idea that like your first time on a track like that would be on her yeah because it's also like like that's kind of the bike that you do everything on. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> trust me, even though two kids on that bike, even though I'm totally with Bry Viffer and I think you should buy the VFR, but I don't like Spamla's your bike. Like you've done so much to it and it's so like kind of, no, not kind of, it's so like customed and it's so like yeah. unassuming and people would, are, myself included and she like, might what the fuck very well might blow oil all over the track uh and uh get never get the uh, rider again so Let's this is not. my one chance to do this <laughs> uh also i've ridden uh, it's funny enough i've ridden well i've been on willow springs before but never never rid on a track day many 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 moons ago me and my buddies went out there during an armor race and uh it was like wild party night and we were riding on part of, part of the track after dark <laughs> not so not so great yeah not at speed obviously either yeah. but still i don't think i don't know what they do for that thing um i think it's like 20 bucks for three laps or something or four laps i think three if hopefully they do it this time yeah yeah and they do um I think there's a control rider, so you're not totally going for it. Not that let's spam on max out at 85 downhill. <laughs> I would probably keep it at 75 <laughs> to be cool. I mean, the she cut out when I was doing like 85, so I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but I think I found out the problem too. I don't think it was just the battery. I think the um, vibrations messed the starter relay, so it opened the starter relay or mm. something. And just sucked. That's why I wasn't getting any juice or any battery or anything because something, some circuit was open somewhere. Hmm. And because I retested that battery just like the other day and it has 12 volts again. And I was like, that can't be right. And I redid it again. I retested it and it's got 12 volts still today. I don't know what's going to happen when I put a load on it. I'm not going to use it. I already got a new battery. Yeah. And, um, but I, I wonder what would happen if I put a load on it. But I also noticed that one of my relays was clicking and it was a starter relay. And I was like, I wonder if that was giving full juice to the starter. And because the headlight doesn't, when the starter button's pushed, the headlight turns off. So maybe the starting circuit was, got jiggled weird. And like, because the starter relay kind of buzzed when I like, uh, touch the battery lead, yeah, the new yeah. battery leads up, and I had to like mess it around, and I mess with the connectors to make sure they're all connected. So I don't know what exactly happened. Maybe it was like some weird short or open the relay and didn't let power go anywhere else because it was trying to go to the. Yeah, I don't know, dude. But whatever, it seems to have remedied itself, and uh, that's cool. Yeah, just weird, right? So, but um, so I'll probably keep it at seventy five, so that doesn't uh, <laughs> none of that happens on track. At least on track, like you know. You're not far away in the truck, <laughs> not no twenty miles or whatever it was last time. Yeah, but um, but yeah, Sp- uh, Spamla. The reason I want to do it on Spamla is because it's the bike that I have done a lot of stuff on, and I want to keep doing stuff on it. Yeah, uh, 
and eventually the day that she dies and is like needs to be full on rebuilt and just like taken off the street, hopefully it happens during like a cross country trip or something like that. So I, I want to do never one good if it happens on a cross country trip. You know what? You can't get him back home. Yeah. Because you could probably buy a motor for that for She's like 100 bucks. so small that I could just backpack her home. You know, <laughs> throw her on it. I mean, I, it's funny. I was thinking about it. I used to lift my 250 dirt bike. I didn't have a stand, like a stand, or my friend didn't have a ramp in his truck yeah. either. And because um, we were both like dirt bags, you know, working at the body shop. And we, we would li- physically, I would just lift my 250 up there. And it's not much heavier than Spamlo, you know. So she's light enough. I could, if I really got serious, I could probably deadlift her and then like, <laughs> you know, carry her home from, I don't know, Il- Iowa, middle of Iowa or something. But um, yeah, dude, that's going to be fun. I also got some new gear, um, some new camera equipment. Nice. Nothing fancy. No, it's not really. Um, Related to the camera, I still have the same crappy camera, which is old and outdated. But this, I got a glide cam, and dude, it makes it already look like movie. I was running around the backyard filming stuff; it already looks like a movie. So I'm excited Sweet. to film wigs walking through the pits, slow motion reservoir dog style. <laughs> I already got it all fig- uh, planned out in my head. But uh, hopefully, we can get some more video footage for the folks at home. I actually added two. Well, it's borrowed, but I borrowed a uh, 360 fly cam. Um, I bought a couple mounts, but only one's going to come in in time. It did come in, and it's a bar clamp. So I'm hoping— Is the flight clamp cam the one that does, like, the, the 360, 360 shots? Yeah, so oh, it's got, dude. like, a, I guess it wouldn't be a fisheye, but the camera actually I've faces seen directly up. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them. <clears throat> so I was playing with it today driving to work, and I took, like, a still, and I thought I could post it, and you could, like— because you can, like, click on it with your mouse and spin it. Yeah. Or you can actually move your phone and spin it. Yeah. But when I saved it to my phone, it was just this big panoramic. And I was uh, like, well, that sucks. So I got to figure it out. But it will direct post to social media too. Rad. So I can add that. Um, but I want to, yeah, like if I could do like a minute Instagram video where you could like spin around Dude, and see it, that would be uh, super cool. Uh, there, it was so rad too. A couple years ago, uh, Kawasaki, the very first thing I saw that on a OEM site was Kawasaki was doing their new like KX450 or something. And I forget who their rider. I want to say it was Ryan Villapoto. I don't know if he rode for Kawasaki. If you're a motocross dude, you could totally... I think he was a Kawasaki guy. Yeah. So th- he was out at whatever's out in like their little test track. They had a test track right off the 15. Yeah. He was over there and um, or at another track over in Temecula or something. He was somewhere, somewhere there. Yeah. And they were showing him and some other guy riding behind him. And, you know, they were doing it on purpose. They were riding, like, neck and neck to each other. Yeah. And, like, one would pass the other and pass back. It was pretty cool. It was a hot lap, though. It wasn't like they were just chilling. They were doing a full-on, like, triples and stuff. And it was so rad because it was showing you the new KX450 or whatever it was. But it was also the first time I had seen this 360 stuff. And you could look at his face while he's riding like yeah. you could you could pan the screen and look you could look to see what yeah. he was seeing you could pan it back to see what the rider was doing behind him you could look at his face you could look at the ground the whole like it's so amazing like wherever this camera can see which mm-hmm. is almost a sphere i mean there's a very small part where it mounts yeah. that you obviously can't see but you were you're almost getting like a whole sphere of uh you could like i, I was watching his hand because i was looking at to see when he was given throttle and gas like you can like pay attention to the details on this stuff. Yeah. It's so crazy uh, what those things do. So I hope we could get it figured out. Yeah, I think, and, uh, I think we can. And it'd yeah. be cool. Um, 
you know, for Instagram, it'd only be a minute, but if we do some YouTube, it'd be a little bit, we can do longer. Um, I also got a, I got a charging cable from Amazon for my, uh, GoPro. Okay. I was going to get an Amazon one for you. I forgot what you said it was though. A five, uh, right? GoPro five, but Did I got, you, I got you already one got one. Right? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was uh, going to use some of that sweet Patreon money to, um, <laughs> get you a cable. But yeah, I did use uh some of the Patreon money to do that um to get this new piece of rig equipment and man, it's going to make videos so good. Um and then eventually I will upgrade to a, a better camera so that we have like really good footage. But just the quality of it right now is super cool even though the camera the video from the camera is not that great. Yeah. Like I was looking at some stuff about like 4k cameras versus like your standard cameras and they're like you know what like the standard cameras don't pick up the details like the 4ks but the 4ks are sometimes kind of sharp like it's kind of nice to have like a uh what you're used to seeing like on tv like a fade sometimes mm-hmm. so i was like i'm not gonna worry about it then i'll just worry about the content at this point and then worry about the getting the drone to fly over you <laughs> when we get it you know we'll worry about that step when we get to it i'm just stoked to have something that'll make make you look even better i think it's cool to just have a little better content too yeah. for everyone even uh james cameron who who ever did avatar mm-hmm. see, they don't even he doesn't even have the technology yet to make me look better so until they make a, <laughs> until they make a camera that just uh pokes your eyes out and pours acid on your head uh i guess i'm not going to be uh, on camera so <laughs> too bad so sad um but yeah this is going to be exciting and i'm super stoked to see the rc because I, I got to see you fly around there on a dyna and uh your your duck and now i get to see you fly around there on the rc i do have a question for you sure nicole yeah why nicole for your bike's name is his RC fifty one is named yeah. Nicole for oh for Nikki that's for right Nikki. that's right yeah, I think you Nikki. might you might have mentioned that and I totally forgot yeah. it I was like Nicole like Spamla I didn't, I never name my bikes but Spamla just was funny because it says spam yeah. on it yeah yeah for sure <laughs> I just started like with my Dyna a little bit and then the the sporty um, so I was like ah oh, you know what I should name it and then you know like to me Nikki Hayden is what. Right. Part of what made that bike, I say Nikki, but I mean, obviously Colin Edwards too. Yeah, Matt Maladin famously had... Uh, he was a Suzuki rider. Yeah, he did. He finished his career on a Suzuki, but I saw something where he had raced a RC51 with the mummy. Uh, some studio in Hollywood huh. had put it gave him a rc51 with the mummy on it or Weird. the mummy returns, which I always thought he was a Suzuki rider too. I mean, I saw his bikes at, at IMS. Yeah. His, you know, And even... Um, uh, Kenny Roberts' kids, one of them, uh, was on a Arian Racing RC51. The last year they raced it, which would have been, I think, 03. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the 954 was 02. So it was 929 was 2001. 954 was 02 and 03. So 03 was like the first year of the new Jigs are 1000. That new one. I guess they've had another new one since then. That was the year they allowed 1,000 four-cylinders. And Honda had nothing. They had... Because everyone else made a thousand, yeah. Except Honda, they made a nine five four, and it wasn't that good of a bike. Um, so I thought it was one of the Roberts kids was on an Arian Racing one, if I'm not mistaken, and he would keep up like he would run top three for like seventy five percent of the race, <laughs> but he was so down on power that he would have to override it, and he'd blow his. Or he'd just wear his tires out before the end of the race. Dude, yeah, yeah. I saw. Casey. And I remember watching him do it. Like I don't know how many times. Yeah, but it, it was one of those things that you could depend on. <laughs> yeah, and it was. 
I think that's kind of like was the game plan was like who cares like because so, he wouldn't it's not like he'd crash and be out like he'd fall back to fifth or something on yeah. it so he was on a low horsepower bike basically how but, funny you know what so what else is funny as I used to because it's so funny I was into racing I was into car racing at that point but I loved I would still watch motorcycle racing just because I liked racing but I didn't get into like that sort of stuff till after way after you did that's so funny because I remember Casey Stoner doing the same thing he'd be in first and then last five laps he'd be in fourth fifth you know like he was the only one that could do that ducati uh at the time i think it was the 848 or is it the nine who casey stoner was he on a 980 no he's the 848 i don't remember stoner on a like production bike i only remember stoner on the gp bikes yeah which wouldn't have been an 848 at all it was the v4 it was basically the desmo sedici yeah, was it what was it the nine four nine or no? Was it just the Desmo? Huh? Yeah, it was just yeah. The Desmo. I don't know the callouts for all the Ducati GP bikes. Yeah. So the product that was when they had. So it was like right when I moved to California because I remember Roland had one. I think so. The bike had to come out like in 08 or something, and I went to Laguna Seca in oh eight. That's when Stoner and Rossi had a battle, and Stoner like went down all by himself in turn eleven. But so that would have basically been the Desmo Sedici, the V four. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that were those eight hundreds then, or I, was that back you, to that? I don't remember. I if think those were eight hundred something. Yeah. Like yeah, like eight. I want to say eight forty eight so, or something like that. The problem I think with MotoGP is like it's not, and and maybe someone can tell us where to find it easier. I can't ever find it. Like, and well, I don't even have cable TV anymore. Any, any, anyway, but it's like, where do you watch it easily? Like, yeah. Flat Dude, track, you go to Fans Choice. Yeah, I could tell you where to go to watch MotoGP. You go to MotoGP.com, and you know how much it costs? It's like 150 yeah. bucks a year for their yeah. pass. That's how you do it. That's how they don't, like that, yeah. Unless you have a package, that's the only way to do it. This guy at my work does that. I mean, I guess if you're a hardcore fan, ten is that it's more than $10 a month. It's like $15, $18 yeah. a month, depending on how much it is. doesn't sound like a lot, but to me, when I look at like, a hundred and adds up fifty dollars to, to watch yeah it, 10 or 15 races you can catch so many highlights and stuff that yeah. it's like i don't know i'm not that yeah bn is having a huge fallout with like a few american cable companies and i don't know whose fault it is i've read all over reddit is like they're decrying both sides you know but from what i from what i've read it's both sides kind of co-fault but mm. the the fact is is that it's harder and harder to see um moto gp on bm sports world superbike and thus moto america because they have that's where they yeah have their stuff because they want to tie in with those you know so youtube bm sports usa actually live streams and then replays uh a moto america on youtube for free so you don't oh, have to cool. buy a tv package and you know I think too, like when you're struggling for sponsors for the teams, but then you're concerned with the fans paying to watch it on TV. And I guess I get it. Like they pay for a ticket if they go, but sometimes you have to weigh out your, your pros and cons. And I think one of the big things helping AFT right now is one, they have a broadcast, which they haven't had in a while, but it's free. You get on fans choice. I mean, Granted, it sucks. <laughs> it's getting better, but I th- there's a lot of Dude, times where it's I know. laggy. And, it was and- so funny because that first year that they had it, it was so good. And then the next year, because it blew up so fast, yeah, they didn't have the bandwidth. The yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It was crazy. And now it's like 
hit or miss. I mean, it's been pretty yeah. good this season, but there are times when it like cuts right when <laughs> something important. I, happens. You know, I don't know how they're doing right now, but like I know for a few years, MotoGP was kind of down rider count. Like mm-hmm. it's it's become Formula One has had the same problem, probably still having it, where it's such an expensive program to run to have a bike on the track that you're losing teams like you're you know the it's it's so so many millions where it's like i don't know is it that big a benefit for repsol to have a team on the track yeah like i don't i don't know of a lot of places to buy repsol oil anyway yeah i yeah i mean you got to figure this is purely worldwide some of the sponsors yeah that are for on sure there. i mean you can get they have a lot of repsol stuff at cycle gear but it's still like I don't know. It's so, so expensive to do that they're down on teams and then that, you know, then they're down on fans and no one wants to watch 10 bikes go around a track. Yeah. It's a, it's something that played out a couple years ago. Uh, Pit Pass talked about it when Moto America was trying to get its act together. And actually when the AMA was losing it and Moto America was taking over, they were talking about it then about, uh, American companies doing the same thing because in America it's so much smaller and they're like you know every little team depends on the, the riders like we, why don't we have good riders because we can't afford to pay them because to afford to pay them yeah. you got to have a team to have a team you got to have sponsors to have sponsors you got to have the people willing to say I will give you money to put my product name or give you my yeah. you know whatever and it's just it's a huge ball that when it's de- like how many people are watching it yeah and well, so why do I want to put like it's not going to do me any good to put my product name yeah on it. and this whole being sports thing kind of ties into that because how many people are watching it and now they don't know that they they don't know where to watch it so they can't and they could lose interest in it yeah. you know what i'm saying so it's it's a it is a iffy thing and i'm actually reading a, a book right now and i've read a few articles on racing in general and how all that stuff just gets so convoluted that that's why racing i'm in my opinion ebbs and flows yeah is because there'll there'll be times when you trust me like nascar was like bajillion dollar it's pretty well industry and right now i'd be i wouldn't be surprised if there was like a local company putting their stuff on nascar cars because they can because there's probably desperate sponsors you know they have done so much weird stuff with their point system that a lot of people are like i can't keep track or and it doesn't matter like it's so weird how you win the championship. I don't keep up with NASCAR enough to really know, but it's like, you know, and I like, like, I like the Kobe Carlisle style championships. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. That's mm-hmm. so rad. That kid was never on top. Yeah. But always so close to the top that yeah. for the overall goal, he was on top. And and Henry Wiles pretty did he a pretty good job did of that this, year. this yeah. year. Yeah. You know, I mean, he won Peoria and did he win Buffalo Chip too? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think he won Buffalo I don't think Chip. He did either? I, I did can't, he only win Peoria? Yeah, but he was on the podium how many times? Yeah, or I, at I least mean, fourth. I mean, it was crazy how many times he yeah. didn't make the spotlight, but he was he made the points. You yeah, know? and he ended up second in the points. Yeah, and it's because like people like Brian Smith were either first or like dang near last, you know, or crash out or even Carver season this year yeah. was kind of like that, you know. I mean, he had a lot of really good runs, and then he yeah. had a lot of disappointing days. He still finished fourth, right? Something like that. Was he fourth in the points? I think he was. I think so. I don't fourth remember who or got third though. Yeah. Um, it was. I think Bauman was. Oh, up there. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. and I, that came down just like last year at Paris when he beat Bauman. I think that came down to the last couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's one of those things. And flat track right now is getting attention from the motorcycle industry. It's getting attention from anybody that's putting their peepers on motorcycles. Well, or Because it's getting attention from fans. Yeah. Do you remember, you listened to FHF in the mornings here in LA. A little bit, yeah. They, the Surf City Blitz that they were promoting. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I mean, that sounds like the Roland Sands Moto Bay Class, Moto Beach it Classic. And, I, and yeah. it, was, it was. It was the, the same, same thing. Yeah. yeah. He was the Moto Bay Classic at the Surf City Blitz. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh, like in partnership with Roland Sands and, yeah. and yeah. whoever the promoter for the music side was, it was a whole big thing. And so even people that got tickets there and went for the music and the food and yeah. the atmosphere got to see racing. Yeah. And that gets people's eyes on. Then they get their eyes on flat track well it does yeah and not always a good thing it it actually annoys me pretty often too but there's a lot of people that started hooligan because i don't know if they started because they thought they could go get sponsors but it's like they started and right away they're like oh i'm waiting on this sponsor and i got this guy and this and that and i'm like dude if you're on a 450 don't want to give a shit and like part of me is like i can't talk like i'm not out winning everything but i'm also like like, I guess to be arrogant, I'm like, well, I know who else was doing it when I started doing it. So that, and that has helped a lot with sponsors too. Like that, you know, a lot of those people know that, but I I don't know. I'm also not like, other than like traveling to Milwaukee saying I'm waiting on Harley. (laughs) Like, I'm not like, oh, I got to wait on this sponsor to do that. And I'm not going to be able to, and it's like, I don't know, man. You just you just make it work. Like if you want to go race, you want to go race. Yeah. You make it work, and if you get some sponsors on board, whatever. I mean, obviously that helps. But you know, like I hear this when we go to hooligan races, and I'm just like, is that the why you started? Like, because you were like, well, I couldn't make it in this, and I couldn't get any support in this, and I looked at hooligan racing, and I'm like, oh shit, I can get a sponsor. So it's, I mean, in good and bad because. You know, I mean, let's take advantage of it, I guess, at the same time. But, you know, it's... It it reminds me of... I mean, it's so funny because NASCAR started in a dirt field and moonshiners running away from the cops, from the popo, to going on the beach, you know, the beach courses and all that stuff or a field. And I feel like that bloomed into a multi-bajillion dollar industry where Tide and Target and DuPont Paint, any like huge companies were... F1-ing their way onto cars, you know, like so many sponsors all over a NASCAR car that it's funny, almost humorous. Yeah. I feel like Flat Track is getting that recognition again because it did have it like in the 70s. It is, yeah. And it's coming back. But the hooligan thing is getting so popular and Flat Out Friday and I see uh, so many sweatshirts. I don't see any sweatshirts with uh, Flat Trackers on them, but I've seen a lot of ho-ho-ho Santa sweatshirts on hooligan bikes, which is did funny. Did you see... Someone ripped off the Rolling Sands poster. I saw that. Uh, CC posted it up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see and that. I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> I, I want to say JC Whitney. It's not JC Whitney. What? No, no, no. It was it's like a it was like clothing store. Yeah, it was North. like Macy's or something like that. They're or... tied in with someone like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a department store for sure. And you could like the pipes, and it even had the radiator shroud around it. So they changed it. Like they put the foot out. They changed it to Santa Claus or something, right? Yeah, and his foot was actually out where it wasn't out on the poster. But like a lot of parts of the bike were the same as the Indian, and I was like, okay. oh, damn, they yeah. did rip it off." But so they they're getting uh, they're getting some. Um, I mean, they're getting so po- it's getting so popular that stuff like that is yeah. doing something with it. Like you're seeing and Santa. Part of it's like it's a bummer that they ripped it off, but part of it's like they actually some. And granted, they don't design their own, like you know. But 
granted, someone that designed this shirt for a major national chain made a Santa Claus sweater of Santa. F- Let's leave everything who yeah. out. Just Santa flat tracking. Yeah. Like that's huge. Yeah. I mean, that's some recognition that flat tracking has not had in a very yeah. long time. I know. And it's funny because I saw like one that I saw the chopper one and a motocross one that looked the same. I don't know where they sourced those pictures from, but it was the same at yeah. Santa. And uh, I was thinking how funny it's funny to me because speaking of the hooligan stuff now, it's almost aside from motocross and drag racing, hooligan flat track specifically is one of the up and coming things that you can go do almost anywhere around the U S right now yeah. because so many places have caught on to how fun it is and they've realized that you can do it indoors too now. Yeah. And so flat out Friday and the East coast guys are always posting, yeah. uh, whatever it is up in, in, um, not it's Minnesota that it has like the indoor flat track and the battle of the twins and all that stuff. I think it's Minnesota and, uh, and Michigan might even have one, but, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff on going on indoor dirt track. Mm-mm, it's, oh, okay. uh, it's concrete. And, um, there's a whole, so there's a whole bunch of stuff happening up right now where it's snowing Yeah, and people are realizing, dude, we can just do this indoors on well, concrete. And, you know, I don't think like they all thought, oh, okay, yeah, we can do it on a, on a DTX bike. That's cool. But when we showed up with our hooligan bikes and raced them indoors and they were like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. They put on a good show and they yeah. go for it and they, you know. It was like, like – it said like an appropriate yeah. – cla- they're, they're emulating Flat Out Friday, but you don't for need sure. to wait till Flat Out Friday to do it anymore. Yeah. And fr- Flat Out Friday might even be co-sponsoring it or helping them set it up or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't like know. That. They're, it's, it's they're doing cool. a lot. They're definitely capitalizing off of it too. Oh, yeah. They're not just Flat Out Friday anymore. They're doing but, a bunch of Flat Out Friday yeah, events now. Yeah, yeah. But it's – it's insane to see that it's like blown up that much. Yeah. And there's so many flat track promoters who are like, even guys that don't really like it, but they're like, it gets riders and it gets fans. They're like, I'm going to take advantage of it while I can. So, yeah. One of the, one of the few things that has, n- is huge. It's so crazy huge, but it's so niche also to me is drag racing, whether it's funny car or bikes, because you, everyone knows who John Force is, but I don't know how many people, uh, are actually like how what the turnout's like at those like w- yeah. like huge drag events. I you know? think the thing with drag racing, no offense to Nitrous Chris, because I think that's a different level. But one thing that I never liked about drag racing and those guys, the the top ten guys, they don't run ETs. But drag racing in general at your local drag strip is a sport. That anyone can do. Yeah. And to a point, there's not a ton of skill involved. Yeah. Um, That's what I... I, I've also seen videos of Chris make a pass. Would I get on his bike? Fuck yes. Yeah. Would I hold it open like he does? I don't think so. Yeah. But... I've learned from watching all their videos that the skills on there are way more intricate. Yes. And and then... then, uh, And you got to think, like... A dude like Chris on his bike, he's smoking the tire for a quarter fucking mile. That mm-hmm. thing's never hooked up. <laughs> yeah. So some passes like yeah, that. Yeah. And the way that I guarantee his bike is harder to ride than Andrew Hines' bike. Yeah. And actually, there is a quote I read in a drag racing book from Byron Hines. When Terry Vance retired, he got on one of the bikes and he went out and won a race, like a national NHRA race. 
and then never got back on it again and said, anyone can get on this bike and win it. <laughs> like that's, I mean, he straight up said, said that I did it once I won. And now I don't but I mean, to, yeah. look at that bike. Like, is it fast? Yeah. Are you, but you're, you're in a cup, you're in a seat that holds you. You got a wheelie bar with a square tire. Like yeah. everything's set it, up I mean, to go down I'm, would I hold it open as hard as Eddie or Andrew? No. Would I still like to take a pass? Absolutely. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I, like I said, the the top ten guys like totally different level, and their bikes. I know there's more to it, and what they're doing is they're dealing with milliseconds on fucking street tires. Yeah, that's the crazy thing to me is they're yeah. kind of like the hooligan drag the, absolutely, racing to me. Yeah. Absolutely, you know the bikes have to start as production. The tires are only so wide. They don't have a wheelie bar. Yeah. So some of them they had they they had it split before into a stock wheel base and then a you know an extended or senior bikes class. And now I think they're for next year they're just doing like. Like heads up. Well, the thing is, if it's heads up and you're not allowed a wheelie bar, then you basically set your wheelbase to either spin or hook. Yeah. Right? And you're trying to find that like sweet spot of what are you comfortable with? Because if you're too far back, it's going to spin and not go anywhere. And if you're too far up, it's just going to stand up and not go anywhere. Yeah. And if so, you're and if you're on a stock wheelbase, you do what I did. The only time I tried drag racing, you put BMX pegs on your front forks, you jump over the handlebars and like go backward down the track to keep the weight <laughs> all the way over the front. So but you and I've had a stock sport bike on a track like it's all not that I was amazing at it either, but I did learn from a drag racer who was decent. Um, it's all clutch control. Yeah. So you hear a lot of like new guys get on and then you hear the motor rev and then go. Yeah. And, and it's, it, you keep, if you can keep a steady, nice RPM and feed clutch, you can be pretty quick on it. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like, I didn't know what slider was like, Oh, you and your slider bikes. I started reading all their posts and I was like, yeah, what is that? And, uh, he had to explain to me that it's a like a slipper clutch, basically. You know, like my my buddy used to drag race, and he had a trans lock on his car where he could rev it up, and it's almost like one of those um, like a stall converter. You know, like on a on a car where you just give it gas and it holds it there till six thousand RPM, and then once oh, it hits sixty five hundred uh, RPM, it takes off. That's what a two step kind of does. Yeah. yeah, and so Jason had a slider, and I was like, "Well, what's a slider? I don't get." Like I asked Chris, "What's this? What's a slider bike mean?" Or maybe I asked Goldmeyer, I forget. And he's like, "Well, a slider is like the clutch. Like you you hold it there, and it's basically like a recluse where it doesn't go anywhere until you you okay. set it to like an yeah, RPM yeah. or something, and then it hooks. And once it's hooked, then you're gone. So it's like a it's like a DCT, <laughs> but on a drag bike. Yeah. And so see, I'd rather see like a regular clutch. Oh no, dude, it's yeah. So when I started learning all these things they're doing, I was like, wow, like this is a lot. These guys are putting a lot more into just what I thought was going on a track straight. Oh, for sure. Know? Well, and like I said, they're not. It's the intricacies I don't know. When you of the see, thing. Yeah, yeah, and when you see a lot of cars. It's like you got to spend a lot of money before the car gets hard to drive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and with a bike, a stock sport bike, yeah, they're hard to ride down a quarter mile. But, you know, again, what those guys are doing with no wheelie bars and DOT tires. Yeah. See, this is what impresses me. It's DOT and like. But a lot of entry level drag racing, especially cars, well, a lot of the bikes are too, but it's ET. So it's all about not beating yourself all night. Yeah. And honestly, a slower car is going to be more consistent 
and more consistent is going to win you races. It's not a faster car. Yeah. Not your driving skill. Especially it's if, you're, if you're bracket racing too, especially. Yeah. But I think that's what makes drag racing popular is because a lot of people can and have oh, dude. done it. When I was in San Diego, that was the thing. It, the keep, yeah. keep it legal, race legal. That's why I like Irwindale having mm-hmm. their thing. And I'm so glad they didn't shut down is because yeah. right now it's a lot of hot, old hot rod dudes out there every Thursday night. There's a but, lot. I need to take the Volkswagen just to see. Or even I need I, I could take the RC and see what I – because I know what I ran on my CBR in an eighth yeah. mile. Yeah. Dude, I'd like to do a quarter. But. Yeah. And during the summer times, they, used to, they did it a couple times – um, I don't because when I had my bug, I used to always stay up on this stuff. But the hot drag days, VW drag days, would be there, um, and sometimes they'll do uh, like import nights. Was there a couple times, and so it's amazing the stuff that comes there. Even though like a lot of the nights, it's old hot rod dudes from around this area. Other times you'll get like all imports and stuff. And so it's cool to see what's happening. And to me, that's kind of hooligan because it's not an NHRA well, and it's, event, you know. Yeah, and that's just a like Thursday fun night. It's yeah. not a race. Yeah. And I, I do appreciate, you know, like I've had my dyno on a drag strip. Like I think when you own a vehicle like that, especially a motorcycle, but anything that's relatively fast, you need to – and if you drive like an idiot – um, you kind of need to know what it does and, and know its limits. And there's no better way it, to me, it prepares you for the street. Yeah. There's no better way to do that than get on a track and figure it out. Even if that's a drag strip, yeah. like, you know, so I, I think it's a great idea and it's always cool to like, what will my car run? You know, what will my bike run? Yeah. Or, and you go out and to me on those nights, what I do is like, okay, this is what I ran first. Like when we were at, um, Barona. Twisted Throttles yeah. in Barona, I was running seven nines all day. Like in seven, mile. Nine, one, this is the mile <laughs> seven, nine, one, seven, nine, twos, like, um, on eighth mile on the Dyna stock one Oh three. So all day, my goal was to break seven, nine. And I finally went a seven, eight, nine, eight or something like that like just barely <laughs> but it was just like a good light and out on the and the dyna was different on the clutch you couldn't really feed it yeah like a sport bike because you didn't need to yeah and it, it shows you that you were consistent like you were saying if pretty you gotta, much yeah. not i'm sure not what chris would call consistent but what non-drag racers call <laughs> dude <consistent>. when his <laughs> he was telling me that his he kept red lighting on their last event and he's like oh it's because i forgot they had the a different tree they had the pro street tree instead of the oh dude the and yeah. so one of them is set up the pro point, trees weird yeah man. one of them is set up at point four hundred point or you know four hundred and one is set at 500 so i was like dude you could dial in like a tenth of a second and he's like yeah you know yeah. So i was like oh dang your yeah. rts are like all like point five zero 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 one, you know yeah. or five zero 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 two and he's like well yeah and i kept red lighting and it's because the, the dumb tree is usually set at five and they had it set up mm-hmm. or it's usually at four and they had it set at five that night so i was going like a tenth of a second earlier or hundredth of a second i forget what it was yeah. but it's like Wow, you're dialed, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, he, to him, consistency is like a but I think, thousandth of a second. Back to the original subject. <laughs> that's what made NASCAR popular back in the day. Yeah. And that's really what has helped make Hooligan popular mm-hmm. because people can do it. And Hooligan, I think, goes a little deeper than that. Like, obviously, there's a huge Harley crowd that wants to ride a Harley. Like, I don't know if if listeners know this, but people don't ride Harleys because they want to ride 
the best motorcycle in the world. Exactly. That <laughs> sums it up. Like people ride Harleys because they want to ride a Harley. And that's like sucks for Harley as everything changes. But, you know, we've talked about it before where it's like people always say they want Harleys to change. And then when they change, they don't want them. Yeah. So, I do want one of those new 975s if they don't weigh like 8,000 pounds. <sighs> or I want to ride one. I shouldn't say I want yeah. one. I want to ride All one. the engineers I've talked to said – they know that they can't half-ass it. They yeah. know that it's got to be light and it's got to make power. You got to bring it. Or it's not going to – yeah, you're entering in a competitive market. There's no competition for a new soft tail. There's no competition for a sportster. Like yeah. it, those Indian scouts are disgusting. The The Triant Bobbers, you know, they just – they really don't pull sales like – I don't know. I'm sure if you're really like, I'm sure Triumph loves selling the ones that they sell, but it's like they're really not hurting a sportster. Yeah, there's really no competition for the the soft tail, and honestly, there's no competition for the bagger. No, like nope. the Goldwing is totally out of its league, but people don't buy the Goldwing; they go buy a bagger because it's fucking cool. Yeah, and a Goldwing's not cool. The, the dudes that buy Goldwings are the guys that buy the luxury RVs as well. Or the bus, you know, the bus size, tour bus size RVs that like just, are into huge luxury. They're not into the nostalgia and the coolness and the infotainment center. They're into the I don't to a point storage I mean, space, right? Depending how you think about it, is a Harley not more luxury? It's more of a luxury item even though it might not have the same luxuries. Yeah, I guess you're right. It, uh, and honestly, the, I see the infotainment system's nicer, but... Uh, yeah, I see where I'm wrong here, I, especially with the GTS one that they've upgraded and has all the cahoots and kaflutes, especially with the, but a lot of the Honda people, one that you have to up, you have to go to update it now to even make it good. A lot of the Honda Goldwing buyers are people that want to go out and ride a motorcycle and they don't care necessarily what they ride. They just want a big touring yeah. package. Yeah. yeah. With an airbag. It's like... <laughs> Well, not, do they have the airbag on the the, the the tours do, yeah. Okay, the big tours, yeah, that's yeah. right. They do on the also yeah. one of the options. But I yeah, I see where I was wrong there because the Harleys definitely are I gotta say they're pretty luxurious, but they're still maintaining the batwing fairing nostalgic look. Yeah. Well, but that's what I mean that's not what I mean by luxurious. I don't mean like that they have all the creature comforts. I mean that you pay a lot of money for a name. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, and there's a lot more depth to that. I was going to say it's like a Rolex because, yeah, a Rolex isn't necessarily nicer than a lot of other watches. But you pay a lot of money because it says Rolex. Yeah. However, this is an argument I love to have with my dad because not that he cares. Because he wears Swatch. <laughs> All he doesn't wears even is- wear a watch because <laughs> he's never going to get rid of his Goldwing. But if, you're, if it's something you're going to sell – a Harley's going to hold his value a lot better than a gold uh, ring. Yeah. That's been proven Same over and with over. Same a Rolex, too. You might yeah. spend more money on a Rolex than a comparable quality watch, but a Rolex is still going to be worth ten grand in 10 years, yeah. maybe more. Oddly enough, that is, uh, for whatever reason, um, Harleys do retain their value very, very well. I, was, I had this weird shower thought that I wanted to bring up about Harleys the other day, and it was some weird... Some weird thing that had I had listened to about baby boomers and this and that, and I, like how I was th- thinking that Harley was gonna like eventually phase out baggers altogether because like the people that want them are dying off. Sadly, Dude, look at all the young dudes buying baggers. There, I you know what, like Mark, but the butcher, um, and I noticed that a lot of the dudes that stunt the baggers, I kind of I should be eating my shoe right now, but I'm not because I have a feeling that. 
um, Harley eventually was phasing out because I was thinking about who else is doing baggers, Honda, BMW, and trying to Yamaha, and that's about it. I mean, like, even Suzuki kind of doesn't do their baggers anymore, and Honda got rid of their, like, cruiser-style baggers and just went to their, like, spaceship bagger yeah but yeah and i think total shower thought well I, i'll have to re i'll have to think about what it was and yeah. come back to it because i'm gonna lead us down a rabbit hole here but yeah like i think we're already in a rabbit yeah hole i was gonna say we're in, a, we're in a pretty good one uh <laughs> we, we we've been yammering on here for a little bit about this hey do you want a beer or a glass of water or anything i'm good yeah unless you just want to pause it to pause it well i want to go get myself a beverage i'm getting a little dry in the mouth but uh you want to segue into a uh a challenge here Sure. All righty. Let's take a. What are we going to talk about? Let's take a brief break, and I'd like to get into uh, some fake headlines here. All right. So we'll be right back uh, with this wonderful song. back everybody hope you like that music um it was not the theme song from snatch wiggins i made that myself but thank you for thinking of me in the same vein as guy Ritchie, <laughs> who we just had a nice little conversation about i remember lock stock and two smoking barrels i swear he did he didn't do train spotting that was some guy that did acid house and i forget what he did maybe he did shallow grave too guy Ritchie though uh it's some he did great. do Ace of Spades or something like that, but it wasn't as good. Yeah, he's done a couple good Snatch ones. Snatch is probably the best. Yeah, I like Lockstock. I haven't seen Snatch. I have to watch it. But um, hey, man, uh, I like to do a little sh- segment that I ripped off of our local t- radio show around here um, where they do a-, a fake headline. And I thought, Wigs, there's been a few things that's happened. You and I have been talking so much about bikes and all the cool things that go along with them. Why don't we get into some news? So I got a couple fake headlines here. You want to hear some of them? You want to tell me which ones you think are the fake one? Let's do it. All right. Well, there's only one fake one. So tell me which which ones you think is the fake one. <laughs> all right. Let's do uh, WFO for all you racers out there. You know what that means. It means what's the fake one. So I have a few headlines here from the local news and news around the globe. But I'll only read the local ones. Um, so here in the States, I'm going to give you five headlines first. You tell me which one is a fake one. Here in the States, women ownership is up 19% from uh, 2000. Wait, where's my numbers? From 10% in 2009, 12% in 2012, 14% in 2014, and now 19% in 2018, according or to, uh, to the uh, Motorcycle Industry Council. That's headline number one. Headline number two JD Beach to ride superbike and flat track in 2019. Uh, attack performance Yamaha uh, R1 is going to be his road racing bike, and the Estenson MT07 flat tracker is going to be his flat track bike, and he's going to do double duty all season long. Headline that's headline number two. Headline number three. I better have five on here. Yep, I do. Headline number three Yamaha to move forward on their Tesseract project. 
in light of the Nikon's success, successful launch, successful successful launch and attention, they're going to move forward with their Tesseract, um, the Tesseract project. God, I can't even read my writing. I feel so bad for Wiggins when he has to try to do this. <laughs> oh, the Tesseract is slated for production uh, based on the Nikon success. That's headline number three. Headline number four. God damn it. Headline number four, <laughs> Polaris recalls 11,000 uh, 2015 and 16 slingshots. Polaris recalls slingshots because the backup camera may fail, melting the voltage regulator and preventing the tail lamp from working, therefore getting you rear-ended. <laughs> That's headline number four and headline number five. The lawsuits from the biker shootout to proceed. Uh, bikers involved in the Waco shootout at Twin Palms are going to be allowed to proceed with their lawsuits against the county, uh, McKin- McKinnon County in Arizona. That's headline number five. Which which of those is the fakie? So I know JD Beach is true. Okay. He so headline is, number two uh, is whoever true. it was, let him go, I guess. I saw an interview and he was like, I'm glad they let me go. And I'm like, you want a fucking championship and they let you go? I felt like that they was let weird. him go from the super sport up to super bike. Okay, maybe that's it. Yeah. But he wasn't on attack performance, so maybe no. that, maybe that team only has super. His sport. team let him go to go be on attack performance. Okay, he was allowed they don't, to. They don't have a super bike. Yeah, team. he was allowed to uh, terminate his um, contract. Contract, and he's taking over a seat on the attack performance R one. Yeah. And he's going to be flat tracking all season. Yep. And so, dude, this is going to be. Essenson's going to have three guys on twins and two guys on singles, I think. But they probably make more money a year than Indian and Harley combined, so. Doesn't Essenson have an Indian, too? Yeah. An Indian team? No, not necessarily an Indian team, but they have an Indian bike. Mm -hmm. And they actually have an XR, too, but. So apparently they're going to be on the uh, Yamaha. They're going to have Colby Carlisle and J.D. Beach, I think, both on Yamahas. And I think Jake Johnson on an Indian. And John and McCarthy the, is the guy that made the uh, – or I'm sorry, not John. John uh, Keith McCarthy is the guy that made the announcement. So I know both of them are going to be for Yamaha. You know, both – he's the Yamaha team, like, race uh, manager. And so I'm I know – I'm pretty sure JD and Carlisle are both going to run Yamaha. Yeah. So, I mean, because it says the MT-07 and then the attack performance R1. So, yeah, I was like, wow, he's going to be, like, factory Yamaha, both both sides of the coin. Well, it's maybe that's why they're adding people to the program and building – or, like, having a bigger program is because yeah. Yamaha is getting behind it. But yeah. I think – you know what? Jake Johnson might not be on an Indian because of the new rules next year. They can make the FZ07 900 cc's, yeah. and they can run two millimeter bigger throttle bodies. If and, they yeah, if they run a production motor on it, yeah. Right? I don't know what Harley's going to be allowed to do with those <laughs> cylinder heads, though. Did you read that thing in Cycle News? The uh, Indians I rebuttal. It, I read, yeah, I read Indians rebuttal. Is all I read. Yeah, there was three things that they were like, and they agreed with two of them, and they agreed with two of them. It was the third one that they were like, dude. So that was an interesting read. By I the way, I don't agree with the way the nine hundred thing is. I don't agree with it because, first of all, a Ninja six fifty turned into a Ninja seven fifty has won a championship. Oh yeah, and it might guess coming next year. I would say if it's allowed to be a Ninja 900 and allowed to have bigger throttle bodies, there's a real good chance it'll win. But what do they have? They're like so the Z9? this is the way it used to be. Now, a ZX10 motor? No, because it's got to be a twin. 
Oh yeah, those are fours. Yeah, what would they what would they make a Ninja Nine Hundred out of? Bore and stroke punch the shit out, out of the, it. Yeah, yeah. Just punch out. The, I don't know if that bike will go nine. Yeah, they do it. They have to do a crank to do seven fifty. That's what I'm saying. They, I they, think they would stop at seven fifty. They're good enough at seven fifty, probably. And they're allowed bigger throttle bodies. And what was the third one? Throttle body CCs and not weight. Uh, no, it was throttle bodies. Um, yeah, God damn it. So I wonder what Harley's going to do with those cylinder heads. Because to me, that's a race motor. You're allowed to change the crank. See, it used to kind of be 750 race motor, and then they had homologated motors that were bigger, such as Honda Superhawk was an okay motor. A Honda Africa Twin 1000 was an okay motor. A SV 1000 was an okay motor. Um, I don't know what else. A Buell. 1200 was an X was an okay motor. Yeah, there was but there was some Ducati 1100s uh yeah, la- last year or the year before. But you couldn't do much to them. They had to be pretty stock. So like a Buell, you're which a Buell XP12, you're looking at a little over 100 horse or right around 100 horse. I think it might have been just under. Yeah. I think they were a little over actually. Um even to the ground, I think they're real close to that. I don't know, maybe I need to put mine on a dyno when I fix the fuel pump. But so anyway, that that was kind of simple, and I think they kind of complicated it. And I don't know it. The thing that I don't like about this is this is why the Japanese teams don't support flat track. When Honda came in and won, obeying all the rules, they changed the rules. When what happened? When Honda was winning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They changed the rules. There was the restrictor so plates. Out. It was yeah. the restrictor plates on the on the uh, carbs. I mean, you could have said, "Hey, it needs to be a push rod, air cooled motor," but they didn't. They're like, "Oh, we're just going to restrict it down and restrict it down until you start losing." Yeah, the third one is the fuel. They have to use, oh, but uh, everyone pump. has to use that. Yeah, and like the and what Indian said was that will affect everyone. And they're fine with that. Yeah, so that was they said they're fine with that. It's a Sunoco Supreme fuel with a lower octane. I heard so, pump gas at first, but then apparently- it looks like it's not a pump pump gas, but not a super high end race fuel either. Yeah, and the allowance of street legal production engines up to nine hundred cc, they don't care about that. So basically, the motor if Harley's using the same motor, they're going to be able to go up to nine hundred, so they can bore and stroke the street. The thing is, Harley's not losing because they're down on horsepower, though. They make more horsepower than the Indians already. Yeah, it's like chassis or fly. It's still some something. There's a lot, yeah. But the third thing they were upset was because if you do go to a production engine, you're allowed to use a 40 millimeter throttle body instead of 38. And they yeah. said it's like 20% power. 20 to 22% more airflow. Oh, okay. Airflow. Which equals yeah, power. Yeah, absolutely at some equals point. power, yeah. but I didn't know. Not 20% power. <laughs> but I don't know. This I mean, is that's... what they say in that, though. This is the first time that smaller, lighter production motors, similar to dimension and weight to the FTR 750 will be able to increase throttle body sizes, creating significant advantage over larger, heavier motors. Yeah. Um, let alone over the FTR 750. So basically what they're saying is the old motors, like the Superhawk and the Buell XB12, they were all heavy motors. So yeah, they were bigger, but they were heavy. 
Yeah. Where now you can take a Ninja 650, yeah. stroke it and bore it as big as you can go, basically, which probably is not 900. You might be able to go 8 or 850, but then you can put bigger throttle body on it. Yeah, I was looking at somebody this last season was running a Multistrada 1200. Now, the reason you can run a 1200 is because of the dang thing, and they didn't ever place up high. You know, they were always it's cause it's so big and heavy. Well, and was it the air-cooled 1200? Uh, uh, the multi, yeah, it had to be because... Um, this was probably the two-valve. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, they didn't have a Johnny huge Lewis advantage Johnny Lewis rode one last year a lot, or 17. Yeah, I think I even saw a hyper... A hyper in there too, uh, but well, the thing is, there's nine, nothing. The motors are, are the same, yeah. So and they were all full framers, yeah. So who knows? Yeah. So I mean, it's not like a huge advantage, you know. Yeah. There's no chassis, yeah. there's no engine advantage over that. So well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And the thing is about a Ducati, one of the problems is even the two valve air cooled motors. It's a 90 degree V twin, which Ducati yeah. and Honda both agree that that's the best angle for pavement. But I, I was going to say that ain't a dirt, a dirt angle. I don't think it's a good angle for dirt. So I think Ducati's always going to fight that. I'm not 100% sure what the firing order has to be on a 90 degree V twin, but I'm pretty sure you can't get the rad. It would probably be one and then two and then one and then two. You think so? Yeah, that's it could be two and one and then two and one, I guess. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> I guess I meant the rotation. <laughs> <laughs> the what do you mean the rotation? Like the crank rotation firing order on that? Because like a triumphs are parallel twins and they go two seventy, so you're getting a oh yeah yeah bam bam. I'm pretty bam, bam. sure I'm ninety nine point nine nine percent sure the RC fifty one is. So I would say Ducati probably also is a is a uh, single crank pin. Actually, I'm I'm real sure the RC51 is because I used to have one. I made a miniature aluminum crank for an RC51 on a four-axis when I was in college, and it was in my toolbox for a long time. Just for fun, happened. huh? The things you I know do, it was a project. Were, yeah. We had to do something. So, yeah. but all yeah, the so, other kids made can openers, and you made a yeah. Um, I made it out of aluminum, but <laughs> it was yeah. It was a single crank pen. This medical marijuana is really kicking in. <laughs> Um, what but yeah, they like can't do the like the twingle firing order and stuff on the triumphs. Yeah, uh, they can do them on the triumphs. Oh, the twingle. Yeah, yeah, they can like do it. The, the XS six fifty. You can change how they fire. I don't think they're allowed to do that on the. I mean, I think they already are with the two seventy. Um, they go bam, 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 bam. Where on the V on the L twins, you can't really go bam. Bam, because then they fire exhaust and then yeah. exhaust and fire. So you're basically firing every other bam, revolution. Bam, bam, bam. They have to, yeah. And I think the triumphs are the same. You're not going fire, fire, exhaust, exhaust. You're going, like, if the right one fires, then the left one exhaust. And then you go around and the right one exhaust and the left one fires. Because it makes hmm. it smoother for the street that's good. Yeah. I'll and I, check don't, into that. I don't think they're allowed to change the firing. Yeah. Order. Depending on what motor they use. Because, yeah, Triumph has a 180 and a 270. Depending on what motor they have, I think. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But that would be the... Uh, it wouldn't necessarily be the crank pin, so... Yeah. It would be know. the ultimate disco machine is what that would be. Uh, <laughs> all right. Quiz, I know you I know you went on about this story. Yeah. So not sorry. because flat track interests you in the least. Well, I think it was it's just rad a, it that... Was, um, it was to stall to try to... I think it's rad out. that JD Beach is doing both. Yeah. Oh, me like, too. Super respect for that. That's very, like, old school. Stemp- He's talented in both. He's young. 
it's super cool. There's not money in either. Yeah. <laughs> so He's do both. Stepping it up way past uh, Dude, Hayden how many, Gillum. Did he podium at um, Daytona last year? Then he was just fourth then. Yeah, I don't think he did. Are you sure you didn't get second? Uh, he was battling you talking for about, a while. Yeah, I don't think he did. He did podium at Paris the year before. Yeah. Got third. He he podium once this year. Was that at the the last race? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. If it was Daytona, I mean, I could be wrong. Because I, he, I mean, know, he's, obviously you know, he's good on TT. You know how bad my memory is. I can't remember what I wore today. Oh, I, I'm in it. Oh, I guess I wore this today. My memory's horrible. Um, yeah, but it's just cool to see him doing that. Yeah. So the first one was women. The very first one was women ownership, according to the MIC, up to nineteen percent. It was a big deal. I didn't realize uh, these numbers are kind of funny. But. I think that's true also, but the number that I remember hearing was 14%, but all it's right. all measured differently. Yeah, it is true. You're right. I'm going to give you – it's true. It was 14% last time they did it in 2014, and now the 2018 poll is uh, – it's up to 19%. So I, th- I thought this was funny. It was 10% in 2009, so 1% more than the year it was taken. It was 12% in 2012, 14% in 2014, and then 19% in 2018. So, again, one more percent than the year that it is. But that's, that, is that up? That's 5% that, since the last time they took the poll. No, that's pretty good. Yeah. So then what was the second one? Or was the second one J.D. Beach? Uh, the second one was J.D. Beach. Okay, the, the third one was the Yamaha uh, moving forward on the Tesseract project. I'm going to say that's true because that stupid fucking Nikon is successful. That's a, based on the success of the Nikon. Um, and I don't even know what the Tesseract is, but yeah, you said yeah. based on the success of the Nikon. So. The, su- the successful launch and all the attention that it's garnered, um, the Tesseract. So um, the fourth one was a reverse cam is melting your regulator. Yeah, the fourth one was Polaris recalls 11,000 slingshots because the backup camera may fail melting the voltage regulator which prevents the tail lamp from working. And what was the last one? And the very last one was the lawsuits from the biker shootout to proceed. Bikers involved in that Waco shootout Mm. are going to be allowed to sue the county that it happened in. That might be because it was something about the other bike club where cops or something. It was super shady. I haven't heard about any, but, you know, it's a Polaris. I'm going to say that... Man, it's down to those two, huh? I don't know which one's fake. Those are all pretty good. You did a good job. I did a good job of, of the radio it. show. One's hard too, man. They yeah, make it. Uh, I, you, on those ones, I usually get it wrong. I'm like, there's no way that's real. I know, and then right? it's like because it's totally. But then you're like, well, there is Florida to you know give us some of the most. I'm going to say headline. the fake one is the spider, and this is why I'm going to say that because that sounds like something you would make up, <laughs> where. The the bike gang shootout thing to me is not a subject that you would like yeah. find that you would come up with on your own. Yeah. So I think you read that, that one. No, it's not about that. It's just not that's not what you're into. No, yeah. So but very good. I mean, now you're using your knowledge of me to yeah. play the guys. You're taking it to the next level you here. Didn't know that I was gonna like. No, use, I'm gonna use every resource I have. Doctor Wiggins, tell me more about myself and what I would pick. What you think I would pick? What so you think I'm, I'm gonna, gonna say the Can Am's the fake one. Yeah. Well, it's not the Can Am. It's the Polaris. Uh, the spy, the uh, slingshot. Oh, slingshot. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking spider, but yeah, I know what. 
You don't think a it spider a has a backup cam on it? <laughs> Probably does too. Yeah. Uh, that one's Same true. Thing. Oh man. The Polaris. I started cracking up because I don't know they had a friggin' backup camera. If you have a motor, if they're, if everyone's like, oh, the, mo- the Polaris, you know, the motorcycle, A, we've, we've determined that it's not a motorcycle. It has a steering wheel and you seatbelt yourself in. Yeah. And an, it might be an auto cycle in some things, yeah. but it's or, more auto. To, if it has a backup or camera, try car, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah. If it has a backup camera on it, game I still over. Want to drive one though? I'm glad you so glad you didn't say ride in one. Uh, yeah, I. I don't want to ride on top of it. Yeah, <laughs> I want to take it around the track. Uh, feel that as a shift. You know, I was thinking like because they keep showing like they keep like you know drifting it around their little burnout box. Like, they need to enter one in Formula Drift. Dude, Formula Drift is actually going to be happening at Irwindale here pretty soon. I think that was what made me think of it. I saw an ad for that. If I don't see a slingshot over there, I'm going to be pissed off because that's apparently almost all they can do. (laughs) Polaris set me up. Give me a handbrake. Dude. I'll go make a fool of myself and crash a car. For reals. Yeah, I was going to say, I could do that. uh, So the biker thing's fake? It is because they can't... um, Yes, don't leave us hanging with some silent air. They can't they can't sue the cops. That would not make sense to actually cuz it was something that was a weird one. I don't really keep up on all that stuff cuz it's not my thing, but um I just remember like seeing a bunch of like people were real bummed that like the other bike club that shot him up was like all cops. So they were like either A framed or they like just knew they'd get away with it because they were cops. It was something weird like that. Yeah. The other bike gang wasn't cops, but there was cops staged there, and the cops watched it go down. Then the cops went in and killed some people uh, and wounded people from both sides. It was the Cossacks and the Banditos. And uh, I thought the Cossacks was like a police club. Uh-uh. Though. Uh-uh. They're an outlaw gang. But the cops were there, mm-hmm. and su- apparently they, they supposedly had snipers and stuff, too. So they were – apparently the cops let it go down so that they could, like, bust as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. There were so many people detained by the ca- McKinnon County that they've decided the – so many unlawful arrests or unnecessary arrests were made. They arrested like 150 people yeah, or something like that. So big. And so those people are going to be able to sue the county, McKinnon County, for unlawful arrest. And they are going to be able to sue. Yeah. So that one's true as well. So which one's a fake one? Well, you see this little baby right here. This is the Yamaha Tesseract. It's a real bike, and it's a four wheeler Nikon. <laughs> So they're not going to go ahead with it? They're not going to go ahead with the Tesseract. I think that's better than the Nikon. Dude, for real. And you know what? More people would buy a quad than you see the... Uh, yeah, I don't like that it... It's like a leaning quad, though. Dude, and this like, got... How dope... As much as I hate training-wheeled motorcycles, <laughs> how badass would a, like an R1... I mean, it would kill so many people. And I think this Which is a- I believe in Darwinism, so I'm not totally against that either. But how badass would an R1 quad be? Like some street tires on that thing, just a little bit wider than a TR, or I don't know what the Yamaha YZF450 quad. Yeah. Fucking. Dude, this is going to blow your mind. When do you think the Tesseract came out? Like, when do you think this was designed? I I hope you can't read the text from a wheel. I can't, because I'm I'm blind these days. 2007. Look how 2018 that thing looks. 
see why they were like, we know how to make a motorcycle stand up. We'll give it four wheels. And yeah. Honda was like, we'll, 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 make, we'll make a two wheel and stand yeah. up. Don't worry, Yamaha. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's the thing is I'm, that thing is eventually going to come They're out. They're like, Yamaha, people. just fix your, your neutral problem. Dude, it's good. speaking about uh, suspension challenge, look at that. I mean, look at this. It's got like, Fucking it's got gross. A-arm and the weird Nike and like shock. So absorber. it does lean, huh? Yeah. Oh, four wheel leaning. Like four gross. wheel. And at the time, they Harley probably Davidson, had someone ride it and they were like, someone's going to high side and die. Well, Harley Davidson had a two, a three wheel leaning bike, just like the Nikon patented around 07, different front end, different looking front end, but they had a patent on a double leaning bike as well. And Piaggio was making that 300 or 500 CC yeah, MP3 scooter, yeah. back then. So, I mean, it was like becoming part of the public's eye. And if you want to see a Nikon before the Nikon came out, go look up Yamaha Gen 01, I believe it was called, concept. And it's just like the Nikon, only you know on the Nikon, the forks in the front come down on the outside of the wheels. The mm-hmm. Gen 01, they came down on the inside. So it was even narrower than the Nikon is. Which would look way better. Yeah. It's so I don't weird. Know be- why they did that. It's so weird because from behind, the three quarter, like behind shot looks like a, a two wheel sport bike. And it really did look more sporty than the Nikon. No, no, I take that back. The rear end looked kind of weird because it was a. It was a concept where they don't put the motor. They just have like a, it looks like it's supposed to be like an electric power plant. Cause that's mm-hmm. what they were doing back in those days. They didn't want to have to like submit a motor in there and then like say, well, this is, you know, speculate that this is going to be I'm actually motor pretty glad there. that they're not going to do that. Yeah. You know, I bet one of the problems is it's got four wheels. Well, well how do you register that? Quads aren't legal to ride on the street not, in well, a lot of places. Unless you're in Arizona. <laughs> well, in Arizona, almost everything. You could ride a, a um, deer. You can do on a the golf street. cart. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy. Um, um, so yeah, I bet the, that's a lot of the reason because it's not an auto cycle yeah. anymore. And also, I don't think there was a huge even in like because I'd seen some places in Europe where quads were would have like eighteens like donks. Do they totally look like donks? And I guess you could ride a quad if it had to be plated, you know. But you could ride it over there, sort of like a farm tractor or like a low vehicle low low speed golf cart sort of same thing and then i think the thing took off where the 12 o'clock boys were uh doing their wheelies on their quads in philadelphia and stuff and it ruined it for everybody and it ruined the tesseract uh concept vehicle and there's not just there's really not a market for to me a three-wheeler but for the people that do ride three-wheelers a leaning four-wheeler like that's just even less uh you know what I mean? Like less. I just feel like a lot of people that are <laughs> buying those are, yeah, they don't, they can't lean or they would just buy a motorcycle. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, I don't know. I listened to the Noko Moto podcast today and boy was MotoGP really, really pissed off about the Nikon. <laughs> he really had, he went off on it and he couldn't stop himself. They had to take a break and, uh, I think he had to go dip his head in some cold water and, and, uh, a bottle of gin before he could like calm down about it. It was funny. I mean, if people are buying it, I guess good for Yamaha. I still think it sucks, but good for Yamaha. I mean, people buy a can am. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, so that was my fake headline, man. I'm surprised I got you, but uh, after I looked, I re-looked at them, and the way I presented them, I did. Uh, and I threw you for a loop there, because I started to crack up when I was reading the Polaris one. 
But at the same time, I was crack. I didn't mean to crack up to throw you off. I was cracking up because that's just funny to me that it had a backup cam. I almost yeah. like I almost did a spit take on that. <laughs> that didn't really get me. I just I had already kind of like said that the other one was true, so I had it narrowed down to those two. Yeah. Yeah, man. You did good good job on tonight's uh, WFO. All right, now back to our Guy Ritchie movie. Let's move on to a suspension. You do for a minute, and then you run out right here. Now it turns into 80s fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> 80s car scene. It's the the baseline is very Guy Ritchie. I'm going to have to watch Snatch now. That's and my then favorite. This part, this part gets like... Snatch is my favorite. That's what she said. All right, everybody. It's time for our weekly suspension challenge. Wigs. We're going to do it. You know what? We're going to, I'm actually going to title. I've been thinking about this all week. I've been thinking about this since last week, buddy. I feel, I feel bad that I haven't really like conceded to your idea of how the challenge should work. So the title of this week's show, actually, I've been thinking about this too, is going to be called Wiggins Way. <laughs> and if I was Frank Sinatra, I'd sing it my way, but I'd substitute in Wiggins Way, but I'm not going to do that because I'm not an, an a-hole. So, well, I am an a-hole. I'm just not Frank Sinatra. So here's what we're going to do. Tonight, we're going to do it Wigs Way. Whoever... Uh-oh. We're going to roll the dice. And do we even have to flip the coin? Because your way, whoever rolls higher wins, right? So, I mean, I think that's how a dice usually works. All right. So we'll do it Wiggins' way tonight. If he wants to use the coin, we can use the coin. If he wants to just roll the dice, if we roll the dice, the higher person picks the challenge and gives it to the next person. Is that how it works? It's like, is that how... Well, what if I didn't research any suspension? Then well, the, well it's fine. We, the The suspension we're going to share tonight because I think okay. Wiggins might have not brought a topic, but that's where my genius of the challenge comes in because it's not a challenge to research a suspension or even talk about it. I hope you know about the tele lever, by the way. I'm sure you do. The, the the challenge is in the delivery, which all comes from my bag of curses down here that one one of us is going to get. And since we're doing it Wiggins' way, I hope this doesn't backfire on you, buddy. Oh, you never know. <laughs> so I'm going to reach into... It's still chance. It's just not yeah. chance on double chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, my whole thing was that the number has nothing to do except for it establishes high or low, and then the coin determines who goes. So wigs, and then who goes gets the thing. See, on your thing, whoever wins gets to pick it and give it to the other person, right? Is that how, is that yeah, how the wigs Yeah, because you're the winner. Okay. Otherwise, right. a coin would determine the loser. All right. So do you want to do dice or coin? This is all This is all you tonight. How do you want to do it? Dice or coin? What do you feel like you have a better... Do you feel in hot hands tonight? You want to roll a dice? Or are you feeling like an old gangster flipping a <laughs> coin in the back of an alley with a toothpick in your mouth? Which, by the way, I have a toothpick right there if you want one. <laughs> uh... It's a crazy little toothpick holder. Yeah. It uh, looks like a square penis. Yes, it does. My, it doesn't work so hot with these uh, flat toothpicks, but it's from my grandpa. He, uh, you push it down, the toothpick pops out. It's from um, Hendrix Self Service. Back when you could do your own gasoline, mm. back in the forties on El Cajon Boulevard, San Diego. So crazy. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I don't care. Let's. It's uh, like gum. I don't like to take a toothpick without offering it to no, the No, I room. get it. I know. I know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> Already we're off to a good start. All right. Let's roll the dice. Oh, good. And then the one with the higher number wins or lower number? I don't know. You pick. It's your, your choice tonight. Uh, should I wait until I see what I roll? No, no, no. <laughs> pick it first. All right. I'm going to say higher number. All right. I win a three. All right. You, you, you have a good chance of winning. Yes, I do, you little... You are a pirate. 
<laughs> my daughter found that <laughs> this week, and I was like, oh, I got to play that for Wiggins. I like that one. That one's kind of funny. All right, three. Hopefully I don't roll a one, but you know I am Junkie Turdman, so it's just my luck. Could be a two. Oh, <laughs> and it's a two. It is a two. So, do you get to pick the challenge and hand it to me? Is that how this works yeah, too? Okay. Yes. I just got to move them. Okay. I'm go. gonna hand. Ha- I'm gonna hand the uh, helmet over to Wiggins. How many are in there? Two. There should only be know. two, right? Uh, yeah. Move the giantly comical coin off of them, which that thing weighs about as much as a head. All right. So, junk pulls the challenge for tonight, and tonight's challenge is. Oh my God! Look at this. I wrote a bypass, a, a bye week in here, and it says, "Give your opponent the challenge." No, here's a, my challenge. Says, "Overamped, talked excitedly, and say woo or hell yeah, <laughs> etc." <cetera. laughs> okay, I think that should be easy for me to do. That one sounds pretty simple. Yeah, brother, <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't. Max out the microphone. So I already saw some red. So there's going to be some distortion. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll sit back, but I don't know if I could contain myself. All right, you ready for this, Wiggins? Woo! Let's hear it. All right. Well, tonight's the telelever, my man. Woo! <laughs> Are you ready for this? I'm so glad I got you. I can just looking at you. I can tell you're not. You weren't cut out for this one. So <sighs> too many. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> All right, now you even had a beer, so I, I think I'm ready, brother. I know, that just, like, mellowed me out. Like, I know, usually after a beer, I fall asleep. I know. So maybe I should be like, all right, brother, you ready for this one? Usually after 9 o'clock, I fall asleep, too. Uh, so. All right, there you go. <laughs> I'm just getting into my stride, baby. At 9 o'clock, I just done my third rail of cocaine. Woo! And I'm ready to do the suspension. Is it 9 o'clock already? It's, it's 9.30 already. It's 9.30. We got to get the suspension challenge underway. Hopefully I don't wake up my kids in the next room. We're inside because it's about six degrees out in the garage. So uh, so tonight's suspension, brother, you know what by, it is? By six, all you guys in Wisconsin, he means 55 and it was too cold. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, listen, it was actually like 61 in the garage. <laughs> 61? That's a Wisconsin summer. What the hell? My car said 54 in the drive over Oh, here. yeah. So, and, and it's about like five degrees cooler in the, or, it was or warmer. Cold. I could see my breath earlier. Yeah, it's, it's it's probably 60 in the garage. And I was like, oh, it's too cold. Let's go in here. Sing Sam's listening to this right now like, I hate you guys. He's listening in guys. shorts because he hears the word 60 and he strips down halfway naked. He's like, oh, you mean like springtime? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Sing Sam, woo, you ready to get this? Put on your shorts, brother, and, and uh, pull that cheese curd out of your ear and listen up. We're going to get into a suspension challenge this week. All right, man. Uh, what else do I have to say? Uh, woo and what? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. God dang, every time I do that, I'm going to blow the speaker out. I can already I can already tell this is going to be a hard one. Hopefully people roll down their car windows and the people next to them hear me going, Hell yeah, woo! Let's do some cocaine and talk about suspensions, shall we? Wigs, tonight's suspension, uh, since you've come totally unprepared, <laughs> I just like saying that because it goes along with the hell yeah, is that uh, it's the telelever. So you haven't come totally unprepared. You've actually ridden a bike with the telelever. Uh-huh. Woo! Tell me about it, brother. Hell yeah. Uh... It felt it rode good. Crack some skulls, nice. yeah. Crack some skulls on that one. It's an interesting mix of a telescoping fork and levers. You got arms. that right. It's, it, it's kind of cool. Yeah, and it's a fork. Yeah, woo. So listen, here's what the telelever's all about. Stick your ear. Hey, stick your ear real close. Woo! Did I get you with that one? All right. Let's talk about the telelever. The telelever is BMW's single duo lever, which makes it a telelever, not a duo lever. You dumb dumb. Because uh, hell yeah, 
duo means two. So the telelever is based on what we were talking about last. Is tele, is that short for the, like, since it's a telescoping fork? Yeah, telescoping fork. you got that right. Tele means far, and uh, lever means a lever. <laughs> Woo! I learned that in school. Hell yeah. So uh, can I get a skull crack on that one? <laughs> so they just, um, I mean, they, they kind of suck because they still have fork seals. Oh, man. But they don't. Is it just a little bit of oil so they smooth? They Preach your brother. Smoothly? Preach your brother. Listen. Because the, there's still a shock. Yeah. Like an external shock that does all the shocking. Well, listen how kooky these mofos at BMW are. On the Tele lever, there's still a... Uh, remember that steering piece I was telling you about on the Duo lever that does nothing other than connect your handlebars to a shear joint? And I think yeah. I said sheave joint 8,000 times because I was hella screwed up, brother. Whoa! <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, it wouldn't be a shear joint, would it? They call it a shear joint on there. It, it looks like one of those, like a little two A arms connecting the uh, steering piece that looked like a giant penis to the uh, rigid fork piece. But on the telelever, it's actually telescoping forks that are dummies, kind of like me. Woo! Hell yeah, skullcracker. Um, they're dummy forks. They do have oil inside, and they instead of springs. But I don't think the oil's for dampening. I just think uh, it's for the lubrication. Yeah, yeah, pro- yeah pretty much. And um, because all the damping is done by a shock. It's basically like uh, half, I guess you could say, of a duo lever because you do have an A-arm. And instead of having... Well, what's kind of nice is they, by running kind of the telescoping forks, they're able to use traditional triple trees. And then by running the single lever and the shock, they're able to run the dampening. And I think the spring is out also, right? Yeah, there's no – I want – there is – there are springs. There is springs. There are springs. There's actually little bushings in there too. They're, they're, uh, they, if there's a spring, they're small. They're like rebound springs. Oh, just in case you bottom out so yeah. it doesn't hit everything. Because it's a shock. Yeah, see yeah. the spacers are in there basically so you don't bottom it out. And so if you do, they b- – Chock a block but on top I mean, of each it, other. The the shock that's external has a coil spring around. Oh yeah, it's so a your strut. actual yeah. spring. Yeah, yeah, it's a strut, right? And so how these things work is like like he's saying, from all outward appearances, it looks like traditional forks, and you're like, oh, you just got regular forks on this Beamer. That's interesting. What's this big arm thing then connecting to them? So the top triple clamp looks like the regular triple clamp or triple tree or any motorcycle, and the forks actually go through it just like regular forks. Only instead of having a damper and all these slide bushings and like dust seals and everything else, they don't got to worry about none of that. They have a dust seal and these rubber cushion things inside to keep it from bottoming all the way out. But all your damping and all your rebound is taken on one shock. So there we go again. When you replace your forks, makes it much cheaper if you bend them or something because you're just replacing tubes. You don't got to replace any of the internals. You don't have to worry about re-tuning uh, uh, the suspension. It makes it much cheaper except the fact that you're on a BMW. There you go. Whoa! Can I say $30,000? <laughs> Actually, one of these days, I, I did it once. I did like a funny show where, to me it was funny, Skullcracker, <laughs> uh, where I had a, I did a part, like what would be, it would be cheaper to buy like a, I don't know, like a KLX 250 than it would be to buy a headlight for like a K1600 bagger. They're like... Well, I mean... <laughs> a lot of people drop their Ducati sport bikes and on the side them. and get them totaled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are expensive. And uh, the funny thing is that the Beamer, uh, I, they do this for rigidity or whatever it is. I, you know, it's one of the. It's another one of those things where it's like it's because it's Beamer. They could just use traditional forks. I think they claim that it's a smoother 
ride mm-hmm. that, that you get better movement. It's mm-hmm. less like a lot of people feel like regular telescoping forks are uh, like they get sticky. They feel sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they feel like this is better. I don't really know if I totally agree with that or not. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why people use telescoping forks and I don't believe it's because they're the best suspension. It's weight and other things mostly, but hell yeah, brother skull cracker on that one. I I think for Beamer it's, I mean, there's so much that goes into the frame (laughs) to do the duo lever and the linkage and stuff that it's kind of a mix between like affordability and getting the linkage suspension that they think is better. So, and on the duo lever, you got to have a special frame because you have to have that box front end to mount those two. Welcome to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, your source for motorcycles mayhem. Sorry, today it's not my dad's podcast; it's mine. Welcome to my bonus episode. So, today I don't know if my dad has talked about me or not. I'm his daughter, and so I like to introduce myself in very creative style, so cue the music. Hello, today I'm my dad's daughter from the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Today, I am sitting here doing a bonus episode. So, I finally got to activate the um, podcast thingy and whatever, and I really hope my dad doesn't find out. Oopsie, I bumped the mic. All right. So, let's see. Right now, I'm going to talk about... Sorry. (laughs) Hey, I just met you. This is crazy. Mostly here, I'm going to be playing everything that I really like on here, like all the songs and stuff. So, next song, where is it? Oh, phew, it's only my brother. I thought it was my dad. Because if he was here, I would get a... Burn! Yes, I would get... Burn! I would get burned. I just really hope my dad doesn't come in. If he does, I will be burned. (laughs) Chill out. Now. Wow, that drum roll was really long. I didn't even have enough time. I had too much time. I didn't even know when it would end. Um. Alright, back to the thingy. Uh, so, m- my daddy let me and my brother um, do a podcast. So, mine is called Kids Cast, and my brother's is called Podcast. We're still working on our first couple, three episodes. And it's, it's like we tell stories about our, like, cool adventures. And it's for kids and for their families to listen to. 
and so as my dad let me stand some of the episodes I think grab a beer and kick it in gear I really hope he doesn't find out that I'm doing this dude I don't know I can't I can't hear you anymore say something yeah the battery died on this I don't know what happened I feel like we just changed this battery last week right yeah, it's like it got left on or something. All right. Yeah, I can't hear you. Okay, let me put a new battery and then we'll get back in. Whoa, let me see. I got Oh, shit. All right, before Wiggins kills me here. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. I'm too tired to kill you. I know. <laughs> I wasted all my woos and all that stuff. I never pushed record after changing the batteries. I pushed record to get it started, but I never pushed record after our thing. Oh, my God. We've been going on for... I was, like, looking at it. I was like, yeah, we've done a good half hour, right? Maybe 40 minutes. Yeah. Holy You're going to have to re-answer all the ask wigs on your own. Oh, my fucking God. Listen. <laughs> and the suspension. Or I'll, and do, the, I'll do the suspension part. I need you here for the ask wigs. We need to do this ask wigs. Dude, right. this is fucking ridiculous. I'm the worst ever. So we got to email... <laughs> Email from legendary film producer Brad Biffer. We're going to go over this again. We just spent like 20 minutes talking about it. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> God damn it. I find the email now. Are you going to kill me? Are you going to kill me on this? So I got it right oh, here. We're just going to have to be quick. All right. So uh, Brad Biffer writes in and says, I always listen to the show with pad and pencil in front of me, which is good, good for you. I always do that too. I feel like I learn more the next week after I re-listen to our shows. I ride the Interceptor as long as you like, he says, which is good for me. The suspension challenge, I don't know who won, but it got me thinking about my 96 XR250L suspension and how it performed really well last weekend in Utah. And it has the CR250 upside down forks. It was a fun project getting those to match up. Wiggs and I already said this. I failed deja vu. Yeah, but go to All Balls Racing. Yeah, All Balls Racing has the best <laughs> list of anything. And I am the one idiot in the world. I got a free set of forks I want to put on my CB400 for. And uh, it's like the one set that won't fit. It's the first gen SV650. Did you go on All Balls and test it out first? Yeah, they don't like huh. it's not, but it, I believe the so the second gen SV650 works. So if anyone out there in listener land has a set of, I can just use trees. Yeah. Cause I've got what sucks is I've got a front wheel, I've got brakes, I've got clip ons, I've got an entire front end right off an SV650 that I want to put on my CBR4 or CB400. And uh, of course, it's the first gen. So I need trees. Um, and I think they're 39 millimeter, maybe 37. Yeah. Something like that. They're not, or no, I think they're 39. Where a lot of like R6 and stuff are 41 and 43. Yeah. Um, then he says the RC51 was introduced to compete against the Ducati, both on the track and sales. Me and Wiggs made this joke. I made the joke. Why don't we do a challenge of bikes that were competed not or manufactured not to sell? That'd be a good I, challenge. I hate so many people's bikes, though, that it would be easy for me <laughs> to be like, they obviously didn't want that to sell. Yeah. And listen, it's ra- it started sprinkling. I would say that about the Nikon, but it's selling, so yeah. I don't know. It was raining a little bit before. Now it's coming down. Like, now it's coming yeah, down hard. Now that we, now that it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe. We, we went on for a good, at least half hour. half hour. Yeah. And uh, it didn't record. So, 
But he talks about the RC designation, not about the RC, um, but about the... The RVF, yeah, being race V4 and the VFR being V4 road. And then you said the RVT was... The RC51 is an RVT1000R. And the RVF, the RC30 and the RC45 were RVF. So that would make sense that it just went to RVT. Yeah. Um, Oh, I get it. And I've heard... Yeah, race V4 and race V twin. Um, I've heard, uh, not VFR, VTR... Which I believe the Super Hawk, the late 90s Super Hawk was a VTR, but I've seen VTR on RC51 stuff. But I think people, I think it was either Chinese plastic or people are just confused. Yeah. But and we had a whole. I've also seen the factory ones say RVT on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fans, yeah. So. And I'm for sure. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, we had a whole conversation about Dane Westby and the Super Hawk and how great they are and how the guy from NoCo that's the, that's Moto. That's the next paragraph, by the way. <laughs> Whoops, okay. <laughs> You're jumping ahead I, of yourself. I know. I'm so flustered by the yeah. fact that I screwed up our but whole yeah. night. So the RC designations were weird because I believe a lot of the VFRs kept an RC designation even after they were turned into touring bikes, yeah. sport touring bikes not race bikes. Yeah. But in the 80s, a VFR was a race bike, like a VFR 1000 and VFR 750. That was before the CBRs, before the inline fours, not before like the CB inline fours, but before the CBRs. And I think the VFR was like their hot race bike. And then the RC30 came in 87 or 88, something like that. Yeah. Um, Man. And then, yeah, he brings up, this was kind of random. I don't remember what we were talking about with it, but he said the CB1 Hawk a sporty standard in the 80s with a single-sided swing arm, and I think a parallel twin or inline four. So the, I didn't know it was called the CB1 Hawk, but the Hawk, the Honda Hawk in the mid-80s was a 650V twin, actually, which was rare for Honda then, which is still rare for Honda, actually, because the RC51 was the only one they did then. Um, but it was a V V-twin, V-twin single-sided swing arm 650. They're super rad. They had disgusting, like, weird little three-spoke wheels. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. That was yeah. the R1 But they were super cool. CB1. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And they've turned into, like, a cult And they bike. were naked. Like, they were expensive. Yeah, yeah, they were naked. Basically, they were ahead of their time because if they came out when a Ducati Monster came out, they would have been hot. But they came out 10 years before. See, I already forgot. We had just talked about this 20 minutes yeah. ago, and I already forgot. And Bex from Motorcycle and Misfits has yeah, one. Yeah, and these were the ones that I saw when I very first... When I was getting out of car racing and kind of getting into bikes, I saw a couple of these, and I was like, "They used to have a spec they, race class and stuff for yeah, them too." They were they were like the SV. They were basically an early SV six fifty. Yeah. yeah, they were a little smaller than the XV. They're kind of a smaller bike, but yeah, and a big hot rod thing to do to them is put an F two or F three six hundred front end on them. Sweet, um, and then the, a little bit better suspension. But then we talked about the Superhawk, which uh, so that was. Actually, that wasn't in the paragraph, but so where Turdman was confused with the Superhawk, the Superhawk came out, I want to say, in 96, but it was mid-late 90s. It ran until 99 or 2000, and the Superhawk was a naked bike also, but it had a upper fairing, so it kind of had the bikini fairing, had side-mount radiators like an RC51, even though it was previous it was the inline four it was a v-twin v-twin okay but it was a chain drive cam and the rc51 was a gear drive cam and it was carbureted and it was regular forks not inverted forks and it was super hawk was a thousand and it had uh bars on it it didn't have clip-ons yeah yeah but it was a thousand v-twin so it was like a and they're super super bike sort of super hawk no it's not like a super bike at all well super bikes don't have clip-ons basically Super bikes right. have clip-ons. 
Okay. Super bikes have the bars that clip to the forks, right? I didn't think they did. Yeah, like World Superbike. Oh well, like yeah, uh, like racing Superbike. Uh, yeah, Superbike being anything like a thousand, but but I mean like a Superbike style bike has a uh, bars, not clip-ons, right? I consider a Superbike style bike like a style of bike that would race in Superbikes. This is something we didn't. And they talk all have about. clip-ons. This is something we didn't talk about a half hour ago. Yeah, I don't okay. think we need to talk about it. It's no. in the name. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, Turdman's confused. But the so the Superhawk actually had bars, like a. Uh, a lot of yeah. naked bikes so a little more upright so you could race it on pike's peak you could the cool thing with super hawks if you like them most of them are still really nice the shitty part is they're still really expensive and they, like didn't, they cost as much if not more than rc51s they but they are in better shape three wheel three spoke wheels or anything like that no they? yeah i bet they did have three spoke wheels because yeah. honda loved those in the 90s but they weren't the same as the hawk the honda hawk had these like paired three spokes so they were like one spoke uh, and then a little spoke, but they were curved because it was a single-sided swing oh, arm. Oh, gross. And it looked oh, like gross. a fan. Yeah. Where the Hawk <laughs> that's just a, like... That's the worst kind, like the yeah. styled three spokes. Oh, oh gross. yeah, it yeah. was like styled. So the Hawk, just like the 929 and 954 and the early CBR600 and CBR1000 had three spokes because for some reason they were all doing threes at the time. Um, the 900RR had six spokes, though. Um, and then something about the VFR. Hey, can you believe that we talked about these for half an hour and we're still finding new stuff to talk about? I can't. <laughs> um, I also don't want you to throw your phone at me for uh, for making it take longer. Oh my god! Yeah, well, we're so, we're, gonna, we're still going to get you out of here. The on time. actual qu- on time was ten minutes ago. Uh, then you're going to be late, and we came over early. I know the actual. So the question, the first question was basically about rear shocks like how are the links connected with bushings and bearings and does it affect how the shock compresses and rebounds so they actually do both i've seen dirt bikes with bearings um and a lot of bushings also depending on how much they move how much twist is in there and of course like everything else cost you know bearings are going to be more expensive um and on a they're probably higher maintenance actually than bushings too i would guess a dirt bike one is because you abuse the shit out of it and they get so much dirt and grime in them that they are a pretty high-maintenance item. And then the thing is, it, it it does affect how the shock compresses and rebounds, but the cool part is it can kind of affect it either way. Like if you have a dirt bike that's extremely long travel, you depending on how the link is, you know, you can either slow down the shock speed or speed it up. Um, and on a sport bike, same, you know, you only get a couple inches travel out of the rear. I know they probably have more, but you don't really use it. So the shock can move further. So it actually, like, it feels smoother on the bike because you're using more of the travel of the shock. Um, so but, the links yeah, but can kind of be either way. And you're not compressing the rear wheel 12 inches to get that feel of, like, moving the shock of many many inches so yeah, yeah. it's and that and we and we talked about this i, I wish i had repress press record i'll never forgive myself for this episode but uh it's the same way we were talking about using the same size and what i was not very succinct about last week with my cantilevered suspension i was trying to say but i don't think i got it across is you can get 12 inches not literally but you know you don't really need 12 inches of travel but you can get like 10 8 inches of travel out of a rear dirt bike 
um, swing arm, but you don't have to have twin shocks that actually move 10 inches like you did well, in the 80s. You can Even have, when they had the twin shocks, they were mounted in like the middle of the swing arm. Mm-hmm. So if they had, and I don't think they had 12 inches in the 80s, but if they did, the shock only needed to move six. There you go. And then now you're in front of the wheel. So if it was direct mount, it would only move like two or three. Yeah, I was going to say, like, they're yeah. usually like two. And I, I think you know? they actually speed it up so that you get more shock travel and it feels better, but mm-hmm. you still don't need. And you can play with that linkage to get launch off of jumps. That's how you can sky a lot of stuff. And you can float over whoops nowadays. Like, you just adjust. Yeah, the linkage does a lot. Yeah, it's so crazy what you can do with it. Um, Question two was, so he's out in India and he's looking at a lot of small bikes, but people really load them down. Um, And he was like, (laughs) you know, when you put the whole family on them, but he's not seeing them bottom out. So how does that work? Um, Are they progressive shocks? So one, a lot of springs are progressively wound. When you see them wound really close in a spot and then the winds kind of spread out, it is progressively wound and that will make the shock or sorry, the spring feel progressive or the rate be progressive. So, but I'm, I'm actually pretty sure that a straight wound shot or a spring, I keep saying wound shock, straight wound spring will do the same. Um, because that's what adding preload does. Like Mm -hmm. when you add preload to it and a lot of those, you know, cheap little twin shock bikes in India, they probably have that uh, weird little mountain preload thing that you can turn around one turn, you know, and it just steps up like a quarter inch, everyone. Yeah. Um, so you put more preload on it. It's going to be harder to compress because of that preload. So if it took like, if you put a hundred pound person on it and it, you had an inch of sag, you know, it's going to take a 200 pound person to get it two inches. Yeah, spring in rate theory, spring yeah. rate is the, based on the thickness and the wind and and it doesn't change yeah. even if you get saggy shocks it still takes it still has the same amount and to of to me that's kind of progressive but I think what the progressive ones actually do that if it took 100 pounds to compress an inch it would take like 250 to compress 2 inches yeah I, I think that's more how the progressive wind kind of works yeah i i think in theory that it compresses so much and then when it gets to the tighter yeah. part it gets harder to compress cuz they're already right. tighter and together or something like what that what the benefit of a progressive wind is it's actually kind of softer right at the beginning of the travel than a straight wound so a straight wound it's going to be kind of stiff to start with because you're not going to want it to bottom out. So you're basically, the spring's going to be in a way set up. So, you know, at your maximum like impact, it's going to like, in theory, that's right. It's going to get real close to bottom and not bottom out. And that's like how it's kind of engineered. So it's a little stiff when you first hit it. So a progressive wound. That's what she said. Oh, a progressive wound is actually usually meant to be like a little softer right when you hit it. So it kind of absorbs the impact better. And then as the wheel travels up, it gets stiffer and stiffer and stiffer. But a straight wound is still going to get stiffer as you compress. Oh, yeah. Because for every inch of travel or every inch of compression that it takes X amount of pounds of force, then yeah, Yeah, you're going to need more to compress it. I think a lot of ATVs also use straight wound and a lot of motorcycles use, um, progressive, uh, if they still use, uh, cause a lot of them use cantilever now, but yeah. the ones that still do use twin shocks, some of them, you can get progressive springs and yeah, it seems like the closer together, the softer it would be the further it also, apart. I the think a lot of it has there. to do with cost again. Mm-hmm. I think my Dyna came with straight wound springs and I put progressive suspension, progressive wounds in mine. Um, 
And I, did you notice a difference? Because I think I've heard differing opinions on if I did, but see, I did something weird. I didn't. You're supposed to kind of cut down the spacers until they go in nice. I left all the spacers super long, and I had the bike up on a lift, and I like I had to compress. I had to basically put preload on it to get the top cap in. Yeah. So I run mine stiff. Yeah. But I like the way that feels better. And in India, I think he mentioned. Uh, did you read the whole thing? Did you read the whole thing? Because in India, I think he's talking about you know how these when when somebody's riding around with just one guy and not their whole family on the one twenty five, is it like riding on two by fours? And I think it might be. And what you know, what Wigan was saying, and what I said oh a half an hour ago, uh, is that yeah, you if you if it's if your compression's all the way out, your preload is all the way out. It's going to be a little easier to compress it because it's taken one inch, you know, a theoretical one inch for hundred pounds or whatever the springs are rated at. You crank up that, and you've already put the first hundred pounds of compression on it. So it's going to take two hundred pounds to yeah. compress it down that next inch. So I think they probably crank the preload all the yeah. way up on those things and then put eight people and- on it. You know, if if a person's on a motorcycle by themselves, they're going to ride at a certain level of aggressiveness. And then when you have your wife on the back and your baby on the handlebars and chickens and saddlebags, like the bike's going to ride differently. You're going to slow down a little bit. So that's going to affect the ride too and how you bottom out and how the suspension actually works. Um, Going Going over stuff faster actually is less harsh if that makes any sense have you ever gone over a speed bump super slow in a car and you're just like but if you fly over that thing it just goes it all kind of depends on the car and how fast there's there is like a sweet spot where it kind of smooths out but if you go too fast it just bottoms everything out and breaks your car in half (laughs) Um, and i guess it depends on the size another yeah. yeah another way to think of it too um you know think of like motocross even flat track and stuff a lot of pros are going to run a suspension of someone who would be a lot heavier than them. Because if you think of how Ken Roxon rides or how I ride, I probably outweigh Ken Roxon by a hundred pounds, but he probably runs his suspension as stiff as I would because he's going that much faster and he's hitting berms that much harder yeah. and landings that much harder. His inertia is yeah. making up so, a few hundred pounds. So there. there's also that side of it with suspension too. So, and then the last question was uh, RIP KLR. That's a statement. <laughs> I'm playing. There's still a question. Um, do you think that Cowie will revamp it as a twin cylinder adventure bike as opposed to being a really big dual sport um, that it is now? Um, or would that be a little late to the party? Um, but could they use the Versus as a platform, sort of like how Honda has a few different bikes with their uh, NX500 or that 500cc motor? Um or could they just drop the KLR and focus on the KLX 250 and KLX 450? I think to me, the KLR, the difference between even like the KLX 450 and stuff, and I think where Honda's going to have a problem with the 450L, if they didn't put a really tall gear in it, it's not really that highway capable. Where the KLR would run 80, no problem. And it really wasn't that hard on it. But a CRF 450, like, they'll run 80, no problem. They'll run 110, depending on gearing. But they're not as beefy as a motor, and the motor is turning a lot harder, and it's a big single. Um, I don't necessarily think they'd be late to the party. I think one of the benefits of the KLR, if you kind of hit that price point, whether you went to a twin or whatever, um, it's not a bike that was ever – super technologically advanced oh that was a good thing that's what people loved I mean, about that's it what, yeah that's one of the things people loved about it um i think it was an underrated bike but 
Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I would stick to a twin, you know, take that motor, make a, you know, make a nice little twin because the Versus is kind of an ADV. Maybe make a more capable Versus. And then to me, what that would do, it would slim down your manufacturing, slim down all that stuff. And you would, so yeah, the Versus might cost a few hundred bucks more, but you're actually going to save money also because of manufacturing cost. Um, so to me, that would be a great idea. Yeah. But, and, Honda still has their XR650L, but we I did mention that uh, they it's already have... It's never been at, like... The KLR was more than an Enduro. For some reason, it was like... It was more of an adventure bike ADV, than an Enduro. Yeah. Yeah. People treated it like a GS. They loaded it and They're rode it like a GS. Than, the XRs look more like a dirt bike, and the KLR... I got a buddy that just bought one at work a few years... A couple years old, not even that old one. And it's got bags. The tank's bigger. It's more oh, yeah. of an ADV style. Um, the military used them too, so there's a lot of stuff oh, had, you can kit them out with. They actually had diesel ones. Oh, they yeah, they had everything that in the military bio, has multi to be fuel, in a diesel. Yeah. Yeah. It has to run on what is that called when they it can run on six different types of fuel, and I forget what that stuff's called. It's not E6, but it's something like that where it's like the E85, the flex fuel. No, no, no. Like the oh, yeah, diesel like, fuel has to be like yeah, they can run on three different. It has to be able to run on diesel. Uh, ethanol something something i mean it has to be able to run on like a bunch because because when you're out in the field yeah you got one type of thing that you could run here and there you got to be able to run it all um but yeah so i think they could easily do yeah basically a more capable versus yeah and i think we i mentioned this before that it had been speculated that it was going to be die for a long time but people were like they're never going to kill it and bring it back because it's already been grandfathered in this is like i was saying what but you can also only grandfather in for so long too yeah and emissions emissions is a funny thing so how emissions works for a company like that is you have your emissions rating for your entire company so like harley doing the um live wire really helps out their baggers right so they're able to do stuff like that so cow about the cafe standard i think corporate average fuel economy yeah that's how people can get away with having still fleet vehicles of trucks that get 17 14 miles a gallon yeah because they have a sedan that gets 80 yeah or whatever flex uh hybrid sedan that gets 80 and it averages it out to so that's kind of how some of that works with the the you know it still is a carbureted bike and stuff like that but um yeah i don't know i don't know what they're gonna do with it whether they just i mean it was time for a total redesign so if they do a total redesign cool if they decide to make it a twin cool um and they do have what did i say the klx 250 which you know, Honda's coming out with the two, or has their little 250 that came out a couple of years ago. And uh, Suzuki's coming out with the 250. Like, they have and the DR, think, actually the DR200 they have. Uh, and if you look at even the Honda line of the XR, it's slimmed down a lot because, one, they call a lot of them CRFs now. But when the XRs and the KLRs and stuff were out, when they first came out, they were four-stroke off-road, like, kind of dirt bikes. But at the time, what was a dirt bike? They were all two strokes. Oh, yeah. So there was like a market or there was a place for them. Now, so you've got the CRF and the the KLs, whatever, the KLR um, or the KLX that is – it's basically a detuned version of their race bike, but it's a very reliable motor now, especially if you detune it a little bit, you take out some compression, you don't let it rev as hard, um, then – you're getting such a more durable motor out of a 450, but it still makes better power than that 650 KLR did. Yeah. And it weighs so much less yeah. that there's no reason you couldn't have a 450 that's yeah. 
that, that was just as reliable. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I've, I, to me, that's not my niche that I study as much yeah. you know, that I'm as in tune with, but those are some things that I could definitely see them doing. Um, yeah. And as I've seen the adventure bike market grow to huge ones like the GS or go way down, like everybody's coming out with these small, uh, yeah, smaller ones. I want be- that. If you're going to get a small one, I want that Suzuki Van Van. Yeah. That thing's pretty around looking too. And that's another thing. Is it like that whole smaller thing? People don't want to pick them up too, or like, they want right. They want to actually a, dirt ride them and yeah. not calf ride them to the coffee shop like a gs and you know? it's such a middle of the road size where you're right so many people are buying the 1200 beamers or the africa twin thousands that or they're buying the 125 and 250s that is there that market right now for a 650 yeah you like, throw it in the back of your truck go camping and then use that to go through yeah. the hills instead of having to like well and the idea with a klr is you don't even need to take your truck KLR but, true, KLR but I think a lot of sure. people doing that are they're they're buying the eight hundreds and the thousands and the twelve hundreds. So, and they're getting the twins. But I, to me, I would do a maybe not even a more capable versus, but maybe a versus adventure versus I don't know versus yeah. something that was more capable. Yeah, even if you kept the old versus. Yeah, so. I I. You know, we'll we'll see what what happens, especially right now. They might in the just mo- drop it all together. Who knows? In the motorcycling world, when there's so much happening and people are throwing out the whammies like left and right. When we'll I have think to see. so many, it's an interesting time in the industry right now because everyone's looking for sales, but try to scared to try stuff. And you know, yeah. I, I look at it too, like what the fuck do I know? Cause the Nikon's actually selling and I think that thing's horrible. Yeah. So, or they're making it. Let's yeah. Just they're at least going forward with it, making it. So, you know, who really knows? Maybe there'll be a yeah, three wheeler adv- adventure bike. Uh, that'll be three wheel drive. Who knows? <laughs> but you know what? I, I totally screwed up, uh, the recording on this. We got to get wigs out of here. It's, it's like 1030. He should have been out of yeah, here 1030 a while ago and the rain's coming down and it's a dark and stormy night. So I'm going to uh, cut it short here. I did want to say Wiggins last week. I went back and listened to our show correction corner. HRC does stand for Honda racing corporation. You were right. I think I was saying, I think it's company. I know it's a C O something. Yeah, I knew it wasn't company, but I couldn't remember what. Yeah, it is yeah, corporation. corporation. And, uh, you were right on that front. And uh, also, last week we had the listeners vote on Instagram poll. And uh, so that's jump. actually nice. On the um, so on the RC, there's a lot of motor covers and stuff that say HRC. Yeah. The CBR has never had that. I don't know about the new SP2 ones, but at least in the day of the 929954, the RC said HRC and the other ones didn't. And I was looking it up because I was confused if honda had been an off-road remember we had talked about that too because i remember when they pulled out of the baja 1000 or something like that because like danny hamill got killed and they were like dude we're too many people are dying on the ship and i don't think they had been to the dakar or something like that but they do have an mx team like motocross like not just motor- arena cross but an mx team yeah that races like donations and stuff like that so i know that they do off-road still um and then last week's challenge I think you smoked me. 86% to 14% was Man. the, uh, yeah. So I did win last week's challenge. Apparently I lost this week's challenge. A, because the recorder cut out halfway through it again. And uh, I finished it up alone this week. <laughs> and uh, That would mean you would have won the challenge. 
No, but did I really win according to your rules? We did it Wig's way this week. Did That's I really just win? how you pick the Okay. The All handicap. right. All right. Good. Good. So, yeah, maybe maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But uh, at any rate, let's get Wig's out of here. And uh, Wig's, you got any cool, really super significant, like meaningful <laughs> sign-offs that would like make anybody want to come out and see you this weekend at, at Willow Springs? Yeah. Well, everybody, we got him again. Got Wiggins with that one. All right, this is Junk signing off for this week. Um, I don't know why uh, the recorder cut out in the middle. So the battery, we just changed it last week. So sorry for this episode. Sorry we went on and on about the telelever in great detail. Maybe we'll do it uh, sometime again. But next week is our last week of our suspension challenge. Stay tuned for that. And... If you have any suspensions that you want to learn about, now's your chance. Throw them in. And if you have any Christmas gifts, email the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your little Christmas list. Um, I will make an announcement if I set up this other feature that I want to do for people to call in and, and leave a message for their what Christmas gifts they would like to have. But in the meantime, uh, send them to us on our Facebook page, email them to Creative Writing Podcast, put them on our Twitter page, um, creative underscore writer on Twitter. Um, and where else can you get us? Well, you can hit us up on Instagram, any of that great stuff. Uh, let us know what you want for Christmas and if you've been a good boy or girl and maybe we'll read off some of your stuff and do a pre-gear review. And then once you get it for Christmas, you can tell us how wrong or right we were. All right, everybody. That's it. Peace out. Peace out.